You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about Con Air from 1997. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm joined by the host of the Shock and Awe podcast, the always delightful Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay, how you doing? Hey, Matt. How's it going? I am good. I'm excited to uh, fly the unfriendly skies with you. I don't know if that's a tagline for this movie, but I just made it up. <laughs> I think it, it works. Be. Okay. It absolutely works. I didn't check on that, but I was like, is that a tagline for Con Air? It had like seven taglines when I looked on TV. <laughs> um, but oh, I'm so excited about Con Air because um, this is a fun movie. But <laughs> so but, fun. Yes. And, so uh, quotable. So, if I didn't oh have. If I didn't have a nasty flu, I would be totally going for put the bunny back in the box in whatever um, southern accent Nick Cage is trying to do. But I, I won't. Apparently he, um, went to, he went to Alabama to get that accent is what he what I read that he went down there to figure it out. And I think it mostly works. I think most it mostly works. I just watched it so close after I rewatched um, Raising Arizona. Um, which there are two different Southern accents, I will grant you, True. but yep. <laughs> they are similar. So I'm just watching this going, is this high in the future? Is this the other vision we just didn't get at the end of Raising Arizona? <laughs> Him accidentally ultimate. killing a man and being a, a, a weapon of mass destruction or whatever the judge calls him? <laughs> I don't, yeah, whatever they called them. Um, yeah, I, uh, we'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, um, I, I do want to give you a shout out and tell everybody, yeah, Lindsay has been had a cold and voice has not been great, but you still volunteered, uh, to, to do this episode with me, which I really, really appreciate. Um, so yeah, thank you again for doing this. It's just probably saving everyone from having to listen to my bad Southern accent and trying to do a, um, John Malkovich. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I love, I love this movie and I can't wait to get into it, but, um, no, I, they, the, this flu took away my voice and I was not happy. So the fact that I have it back a little bit, I'm right, right. Who can I talk to? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I am very excited. We're getting to do this because I didn't know if it was going to happen and you were, you stepped up and you were like, I can do it. That was, so I really appreciate it. So, um, so yeah. Tea I is a magical property. I will say that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. Plus, was the last time I was sick for something and I was taking a bunch of those. Like, this stuff really does help. I was like this. I feel like some reason I didn't drink teas. Not, not when I was sick, not when I was helped. It's not a tea guy. Then I drank some of those like throat coat teas or whatever. And I was like, oh, these really do help. <laughs> I was like, I've been messing up this whole time. So um, no, they can really help out. So um, I hope your voice holds up. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get through this. Um, so uh, you want to talk about some stuff you've seen lately? Yeah, because I've been in bed for like four days. So, um, yeah, this I've watched a lot of shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I watched uh, Touch of Evil uh, from 1958, Orson Welles. Uh, yeah, this is amazing. Um, it's should be a straight-up noir. Um, kind of a border dispute between... Uh, oh, well, it starts off with this amazing, like, if you've ever known Touch of Evil, this amazing, like, one-shot of a car going across the border, but you see someone put a bomb in the trunk. It's like Orson Welles out doing friggin' Hitchcock, which should seem impossible, but he does. All during the opening credits, by the way. And then it's sort of this jaunty music goes across the border, explodes. This is the movie. It's got Charlton, also Charlton Heston and Janet Leigh. Um, and, and because it's Orson Welles, not only does he direct the hell out of it, he makes it a real sort of surreal nightmare fuel movie. And I was kind of surprised watching it going, how did he get away with this? Oh, wait, he didn't, because this movie was taken off him and completely, like, break up. So, um, yeah, it, that's it's an incredible movie. I, I over here, like, have I seen Touch of Evil? Because I know I've seen the opening shot. The opening shot's very famous. It's like a, what is it, six-minute unbroken uh thing um, yeah it's pr it's pretty spectacular very yeah. impressive i feel like i watched that like in a film class that someone just mm. showed us the opening shot to be like look at this basically which is, is very impressive um i don't ever watch the whole movie honestly i'm trying to think if we watch the rest of it or just the first the opening but um i mean in any case i probably need to rewatch it if i ever did see it because i don't remember it. <laughs> so um i've always heard great things and yeah that opening shot uh sounds pretty legendary too so um no, it sounds like a pretty pretty cool movie. So, um, it is, and yeah, but it is a surprisingly nightmare fuel. I mean, mm. Janet Lee's whole thing is that she's being tortured by almost the B plot villains. Like she's in a hotel, and they keep torturing her in these small kind of funny way, uh, funny game kind of ways. And because Orson Welles is like Brian De Palma, he there's not an angle shot that he doesn't love. So you will have like one shot and these really bizarre angles and the way he's kind of inquisitive and Orson Welles' Quinlan is just, it's kind of incredible because he's already kind of getting the weight that he was known for, but he's also piling up all this makeup on himself and these close-up shots of him and the characters are constantly talking into the camera, like almost like talking to the audience in these very fatalistic ways. Um, you would have known it. I would watch it again because it is not the 1958 noir you think it's going to be. It feels like so ahead of its time and what he's doing. So I can kind of see why execs looked at this and went, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I, I remember hearing this too, about the whole, yeah, the final cut and all that. So, hmm. okay. Yeah. That's, um, I need to go kind of put that back on my radar. Cause I, it had, it'd been off my radar because <laughs> I don't have it in my list it's not doesn't have a rating so basically it sounds like i haven't seen it so i need to go back and check it out so um okay ghosty okay. touch of evil i yes uh i will check it out what what else do you have um i rewatched a movie i hadn't seen since i think it came out uh james mangold's identity from 2003 um lying on the couch feeling sorry for myself i was like yes i will watch a john cusack speaking of john cusack and ray Liotta movie at a hotel i think i remember the twist <laughs> I remembered one of the twists. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's James Mangold. It's a really solid movie. Um, I think it kind of goes weird because they don't quite know how to go forward with the movie. It touches the times. It's like, okay, you know what the ending is. So you're just trying to do stuff to try and freak out the audience and all that kind of stuff. But um, no, it's just, it's an insanely solid movie. 
I think I just saw it for the first time last year. Maybe even brought mm. up on the podcast. I can't remember. But uh, it's funny because for years and years and years, I knew what the twist was. I hadn't seen the movie, but I remember that a girl that I liked uh, in a history class, I think I told the story before, I had a class with this girl that I liked and she'd seen it. And because I would listen to anything she said, I would just like let her tell me the entire plot to identity, including the twist, even though in my back of my mind, I was like, shit, I don't want to know the twist of this movie, but she's going to tell me anyway. <laughs> and I remember hearing the twist and thinking, that sounds weird. Like, that sounds like a very weird twist. How'd they execute that? And uh, seeing the movie, I, if I remember right, I can't remember. Now I can't remember what I really thought of the twist. It went execution. Um, I think I still thought it was a little weird, but I thought they pulled it off better than how it sounded to me with someone just telling me the twist. Um, I think they pulled off the first twist quite well. The second twist, I was like, Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. yeah, the second twist is like, okay, wait a minute. Um, it's a very good thriller for most of the movie. I mean, it's a very interesting, like, mystery. Um, yeah, and then the twists come, and you're kind of like, huh, what? <laughs> you're kind of thrown for a loop. But it's a very solid mystery for most of the, the movie. It really is. And it's got just, like, an insanely strong cast, stronger than a movie about a group of random people in a hotel being picked off one by one should have. I mean, Cusack, Cusack and um, Leota should not be in this movie, but because they are, it makes it better. Even if John McKinley is playing against type and it's not working, I'm like, you're meant to be a douchebag. Why are you not being a douchebag? But um, it's maybe I'm just watching so much of The Rock, I just expect him to just to be completely alpha. But um, no, it's, it's, it's solid. It's a bit messy. I don't think all the plot construction works from what they're wanting to do, but... Um, yeah, watching Kusek on screen, screen being awesome is always a good time. And same with Ray Liotta, so. And Jack Busey. I mean, this movie has goddamn Jack Busey, for God's sake. Is, <laughs> isn't Amanda Peet in there, too? Yes, Like, there's yes. a bunch the... of people. Yeah, there's, like, it's a really stacked cast, mm -hmm. like, of people. Especially people in that time who are really famous. I mean, not as much now, but at that time, it was, like, oh, this star-studded thing. Um, Claire Duval, I think, is in it. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, all these yeah. people who were big at the time, and you're, like, or up-and-coming, and you're, like, holy shit it's um it's pretty insane and you are like oh yes like after con air and identity i'm like this is why i actually really like john cusack I, I i sometimes forget yeah he can be i mean he can be great and stuff i i know mm. he's done that thing the past like decade where he's doing a lot of like random dtv type stuff um and i've heard in the past i think before that that he can be hard to work with like um on things so kind of had a reputation i think uh but i mean when he's good he's really good i mean when he's on point he's 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 very good um so yeah i uh identity was interesting i remember it kept my attention and then the twist i was like okay all right i'm still <laughs> it's like i'm still on board but uh the second one was kind of like okay that's a what, what it's like kind of like what what you do a movie um yeah it's like did you need the second twist um <laughs> Did you yeah. really need it? Okay, fine. Yeah. Let's, yeah. You, Obviously, I see I what you're doing. Say what the twists are, but yeah, if people have seen it, they, they know what we're talking about. So, um, okay, okay. Identity, yes. What, what else have you seen? Uh, it's a movie I know you've seen and probably loved a bit more than me, but okay. it's kind of extraordinary. Um, everywhere, uh, everywhere, everyone, all at once. I think I got that in the right Wait, order. Wait, uh, no, it's, it's uh, sorry. Every it's everything, everywhere, uh, all at once. I, yes. It's, listen, it's not an easy. And you had wrote that down wrong. Looking at my notes, going, that it's doesn't okay. look right. 
it's okay. I didn't want people to get mad at us. Uh, no, that it's it's a uh, it's not an easy title to kind of just roll off the tongue. Honestly, it so. really isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I because you saw this was it a few weeks ago now because I saw it the oh first time. like ten yeah. like yeah about a week ago, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah. That. Um, well, what did you think of this? I think I saw your quick thoughts on Twitter, but didn't know I didn't see more than that. So, um, I think when this movie had me, it had me in the palm of its hand. And when it didn't, I felt a little bit distanced and it just depended on what kind of thing it was doing. Like I love everything with the bagel. I loved everything with the daughter. <laughs> I mean, the fact that short round is wielding a goddamn fanny pack is like one of the greatest things on cinema. Um, <laughs> and I love the fact that he's back. I think Michelle Yeoh deserves an Oscar. For this role i think she's absolutely incredible um but the movie can be a whirlwind so there are some points i'm just like whoa whoa calm down movie just calm down and the other times i'm like no keep ramping up please do what you do so it was um it's an it is a pretty incredible movie yeah i you know it's funny i almost was not even gonna mention on this show because i I love this movie so much. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I mean, it's going to, I hope people forget by then, but it's going to be like a lock for top of the year. I don't know if it's going to be number one. It's going to be high though. I can tell you that right now. Like I actually, it's so funny about this up because I went back today um, and saw it because um, I saw a couple friends the first time and my sister and uh, her fiance wanted to see it, but couldn't see it at the time. We, we, I went back with them today uh, and they both loved it. And I still loved it as much as the first time. Um, my sister, we were talking, she was like, she was like, no wonder you love it. That's such a you movie. <laughs> she's like, the thing, she's like the martial arts, the like crazy comedy. Like it has a bit of like, it has this emotional stuff at the end. She, she was like, she, but she was like, it's like a full meal of a movie. My sister is not like as big a movie person as we are, but she was like, why don't we get more movies like this that are like so original and creative and, you know, have emotion and have something to say, you know, it's like, um, and she's right. I'm like, this movie to me is like a breath of fresh air. I mean, we, we watch a lot of movies, obviously. Let's see. But yes. like, I have seen very few, I've seen pieces of this movie in other movies. Like it's taking from other things. Like, um, but what they make is so... I think original feeling and just oh man i i love it so much like i don't even know what to say just um everybody's great like everything worked for me the emotion like just the stuff at the end just kills me um but i have an amazing time i'm laughing at like stupid jokes about like uh like ratatouille references with a raccoon <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the raccoon what yeah. is she called Rac the raccoon 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 Raccoonie, like, you know raccoonie. Like, like it's ratatouille. what? Is, no, it's not. There's a raccoon. It's like it's a ra okay. Like um, that joke. That joke starts off as like a throwaway. Oh, she said something wrong, and then becomes it has a whole a full-on universe. It has a whole arc. It becomes a universe. That's a whole thing. I'm like even this little silly joke that they made. I thought was like a throwaway. Like they went somewhere with it. Um, oh my god. Yeah, I um, I'm sure we talk about more later this year. But I uh, I absolutely yeah. loved it. I know some people like um you know are just kind of like it's good and that's fine but like, it's very good like but a lot of people are like oh my god i love it five stars best movie i've seen in forever so um very no, little it's... like outright hatred for it. no because you know when something's kind of clicking even though i don't know how well this movie did but if people keep coming up to me and asking me about this movie everything everywhere all at once let's just get my sorry should I get the title right <laughs> and the northman which i haven't seen yet <clears throat> um but do want to um it's kind of like 
really? These are the movies that are kind of starting to connect with people? Um, even my, yeah, I've got like, so have you seen The Northman yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. <laughs> I've heard it's good, but violent. I'm like, well, yeah, it's Dave Eggers. It's going to be a little surreal and weird. That's kind of what he does. But it's kind of like he's made another Conan and everyone's kind of losing their shit over it. But um, same with this movie. It's like, like, should I see it? I'm like, yeah, because it's really good. I mean, it could still end up on my top 10 of the year. Not maybe that high, but it is such a well done imaginative movie of what these elements that it's taking. And I love how every single universe is literally from Michelle Yeoh. She's kind of like the center and she is so goddamn good in it. It's just from those first moments when she's piling over all the receipts. I'm like, oh my God, they've given... She's got a role where she can do everything. This is not just her showing how kick-ass she is, how sexy she is, how um, imposing she is. It is literally everything. Yeah, it's I, it, yeah, she's great. The whole cast is really great. Like, um, I think oh, I feel bad. I can't pronounce his. I'm probably gonna mispronounce his name, but um, the they played short round Ki Hai Kwan, and he's like he quit acting for years because he thought there were. He just didn't like the roles that he was getting as an Asian man and, you know, probably various stereotypical things. And um, they brought him back to act in this and he's great. He's so good. Um, he's so amazing. There's a scene <laughs> where it feels like it's from a white Kung Y movie. movie. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I was almost in tears. I wasn't. It's like, it was so beautiful. Oh. It was kind of like, I'm like, shit, am I a Wong Kai Y movie right now? And I'm like, I am because yeah. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm going to call him Short Round. I apologize because that is, you unfortunately got typecast with these very typical. Uh, anyway, I love Short Round. <laughs> his hair slicked back. He looks like Tony Fuong. It's just, it's such a gorgeous movie. And the fact that they are playing with all these movie tropes and things that you already know. And then, I mean, each, him and Michelle Yeoh and also, I can't remember the, who plays the daughter. She's amazing that they have to keep playing multiple characters who are the same character. It's it's the acting is just chef's kiss. Yeah. And he's really good. Uh, he has to slip in and out of like very different characters in the same body, basically different personalities, I would say. And he does it like yes. effortlessly. Um, and yeah, it's so funny because I had just watched um, my first Wong Kar Wai movie recently um, in Mood for Love. And that scene feels like it's ripped straight out of <laughs> that movie specifically and i'm like specifically yes and i'm like is this a one car y homage and they nail it um so good the uh, lighting is just perfect yeah that scene made me emotional the scene the end with her and her daughter um i don't know i just i could the go scene on. at the end with jamie lee curtis when oh. not not the hot dog fingers which <laughs> god bless this movie for having hot dog fingers yeah. <laughs> but when they're kind of talking about outside after this whole uh, budget that just their conversation they have at the end is just it's like oh they're gonna be friends for life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's oh man it just feels like it, to me it feels like a very special movie and like when you watch a bunch of movies and you see something like this and it's like to feel fresh it's like oh this feels so refreshing and you know i don't know i just yeah i could go on and on but i'll stop myself but <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you definitely enjoyed it i i have yet to hear anybody um well, actually, one person. I won't call them out. But one person I know didn't really like it. Um, but I haven't really spoken to them about why they didn't why they didn't exactly love it yet. But um, but yeah, it's I don't. It seems like yeah, to me, it's very special, and I really love it. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk more about it later this year. So <laughs> uh, no, it's like you... when I found out you hadn't seen Armageddon, me and Daniel, and we were like, but that is the most Matt movie ever made. You haven't seen Armageddon, 
no and then you watched it and you're like you're right this is the most matte movie i've ever seen i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if i could say most but it's it should be a movie that i really like i was like yeah i really like this i i listen end of the world type stuff i've already i avoid usually um but they i mean spoiler alert for them again they saved the day <laughs> like i don't think well, I... literally it's it's bruce um willis and ben affleck punching a an asteroid <laughs> i mean you're not wrong yeah they basically with that machine, those machines were to punch the asteroid, and yeah, um, no, I which really, is very you, yeah. It's got yeah. the emotional ending. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's, I have some qualms with it, but it's just um, just the kind of the feeling of it, and it's big, it's action. It is not an end of the world; is to save the world. Which, yeah, I was sort of going, "Wow, Matt hasn't seen them." Um, I thought that would have been <laughs> one of your favorite bays. I, yeah, that just seems like oh, Matt, of course, he'd love them again. I haven't seen it. What? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about I would prefer more this sounds bad I feel like for more shootings it sounds very violent but I'm more of a shoot 'em up type of guy so uh <laughs> I'm more of bad boys 2 or even uh ambulance recently which I really enjoyed um that was that's maybe my now favorite new favorite play <laughs> it's very good it, it feels kind of like uh a very Tony Scott feeling Michael Bay movie which is probably why I like it even more <laughs> so um and the rock is always a great is a great Michael Bay movie so mm. um yeah, I, I'm much. I, it's funny because I was thinking the other day. I meant to message that it was funny because we're doing Con Air, which is very. This feels like a film feast movie. I'm starting to kind of figure out what that is. Like, I feel like Daniel Effler is always the one like telling me stuff. Feels like a film feast movie. Um, to be this, honest, that's why I pitched it. It because it, well, it does feel like a yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Daniel's usually on point. And uh, this is so close. I think I figured out the formula for the perfect film feast movie, and we're so close. Uh, I think Face Off is the is the prototype film feast because it's 90s it's action it's john woo and it's nick cage which like you put those four things together and i'm like i think that's like the perfect film feast movie <laughs> this is very close we're only missing john woo for con air we're almost there so. well, no con air is if um uh michael bay and early tony scott had a baby and of course brockheim <laughs> is the godfather which yeah. is con air so it's, yeah i mean yeah we'll get into it but yeah it's, we'll get uh, into it yeah um did you have anything else you want to bring up or uh no no i'm good you okay. what have you been watching lately I, I have a few things i'll try to go through them kind of quick um have you ever seen a movie called trance from 2013 a danny boyle movie with james mcavoy Ain't sound i know <laughs> i know of it i have never seen it okay it's it's okay. Sadly, it might not even be. It might not even be quite okay because it. This is the fr the movie's so frustrating because trance. I, I don't know where I heard about it. I don't know what it popped up on my list. And it was on HBO Max, and I said I'll watch this tonight. And I put it on, and it starts off really good. It starts off so strong. The first like ten minutes are great, like really, really great. And I'm like, I'm so in for what this movie is. And then even the first thirty minutes, I'm like, I'm still very intrigued. I've, this is the movie falls off a cliff i i have not seen a movie like i have heard this it's <laughs> yeah, a lot of the letterbox reviews are like wow this movie really like just crumbles and it it does it's so frustrating because like um so i probably told the premise because i feel like this is like a danny boyle movie no one talks about um but uh i didn't know a guy released in theaters honestly i can remember coming out but um so basically James McAvoy works at an art auction um, and the whole very beginning of the movie is like him talking about uh, how art auctions get robbed all the time. It's a very easy kind of thing to rob and um, security measures they take. 
and he um a robbery happens he um goes and takes one of the paintings like one of the things like to grab the most expensive painting and try to get out with it um and put it like in a lockbox or something and so this all happened very in like first like 10 minutes of the movie and like he takes his painting and gets knocked out by what's his name Vin, uh, vincent cassell and uh james McAvoy loses part of his memory he's like amnesia uh he has amnesia and the vincent cassell can't find the actual painting like the the frame is still there the canvas has been taken so they go to get james mcavoy um this is a minor spoiler but it's very early it's part of the setup james mcavoy actually was working with vincent cassell and his gang of thieves um but he literally cannot remember where he put the actual painting <laughs> and they're like you've got to do this we're gonna kill you, you got to find the painting he's like, i can't remember so they take him to get like hypnotherapy with rosario dawson as the hypnotherapist i was gonna say hypnotism doesn't it comes up in this doesn't it somewhere yes yeah yeah he, he's like he goes to hypnotherapy with rosario dawson to try to remember what he did with the actual paintings he can't remember and uh after that point like then it just starts to slowly fall apart and somebody pointed out that it feels like it's not even that long a movie it's like an hour 40 minutes it's not a long movie but it feels like they stretch a lot in the middle like they don't have enough to fill the whole time they have all these like twists they set up near the end lots of twists and turns um and those i don't think work very well and the whole thing just like i feel like completely crumbles in on itself and like it's just not structured well it's not very interesting after the first like 30 minutes it kind of starts being very repetitive it's like it is like get to the point you know it's like a lot of these scenes where it's like why do we even watch that and like um there's a exhibition dump near the end that because it's like you know i it just all feels kind of the script is not good it feels kind of lazy at a certain point it just kind of falls apart it's not very interesting um but the, it was so promising to start i was like this it, it looks great too it looks amazing like it's amazing uh amazingly shot it looks super just clean and colorful and like you know vibrant but it is like a mess and now but by the end i was like can we wrap this thing up and get to like what what was going on because i don't care anymore. <laughs> like um which is really disappointing when the, it starts off so strong and then it kind of just falls apart but um so yeah trance is like not uh <laughs> not really a full recommendation but not the worst thing i've ever seen just it could have been better so yeah um wouldn't bump that one up your list so um okay next i don't know why i watched this movie <laughs> like um and I, I guess i could partially blame chris rock at the oscars for putting the idea in my head but i watched gi jane no oh, no <laughs> <laughs> now i don't give chris rock full credit because i had already been on like kind of a little bit of a mini ridley scott kick um mm. a lot of my kicks recently have been like oh i'm on a kick for this director this actor and like i've not been following through very well like um i'll watch like two things and be like i'm on a kick and then i stop so um oh i do the exact same thing okay yeah i feel like <laughs> i'm on a kick and then i kind of stop so the really scott kick's been on and off but like for some reason i really had the urge to watch gi jane um i do think it was subliminal from the chris rock thing but uh and i'd seen bits and pieces of gi jane like over the years on TV and it seemed interesting. Um, uh, also for years, I thought it was based on a true story. That was wrong. And I felt really stupid because it just, it's not, um, they just made it up. The idea of Demi Moore 
um, becoming the first uh, female uh, Navy SEAL. Um, that's the premise. I mean, and there's a, there's a female senator uh, played by Anne Bancroft, uh, okay. who does like a southern accent. Uh, she's like, and um, she, it's like her, it's like her kind of cause is to, she wants to get a female into the seals. Um, mm. So it's kind of politically motivated and it's, again, it's not a great movie. <laughs> like it's got a, it's got a solid premise, but most of it's like, yeah, Navy SEAL training is really tough and sucks, which I obviously I've heard that for years. And uh, um, my parents are friends with a, uh, um, a guy who was a Navy SEAL and he's told stories and it sounds like the craziest thing ever. Like, I don't know how anybody finishes it. Uh, they have like a 75% dropout rate. So, um, so I mean, I, it's like the movie is mostly just, you don't really get to know uh, her Demi Moore's character at all. She's really just plucked out of like just the military, like Anne Bancroft just like is going through with her team um, and they want to find the right woman. It all it definitely feels very outdated too. And I was thinking this wasn't that long ago, but it was 25 years ago. But um, they're like, we can't have anyone who's too masculine of a, a woman in there. Cause we got to have like a, a real like model type, you know? So what? I, what? I, <laughs> that's what they say. Like, it's insane. Like you're, you're like, wow, this is, uh, this is, you know, not kosher. And, um, they're going through all these people and someone's like here, uh, and Bancroft, uh, how about this lady? She's like, she's perfect. And they put her in there. And, um, I feel like Demi Moore definitely did the work, like to get like the physical stuff for the role. I don't think she's great in the movie. I don't really think Mortensen's in there is like one of her commanding officers. Um, he's kind of an asshole, but he's being pretty, he's pretty good at being an asshole in the movie. So, um, I mean, yeah, most of the movies like look how hard Navy SEAL training is, which I mean, interesting, but then it kind of gets boring after a while. And they don't even do a whole lot. I feel like with her being a woman and like, I mean, they, she definitely encounters moments of like guys being sexist to her and saying shitty things. And, um, the commanding guys keep telling people like, you know, it, she'll be a weakness if she's with you guys. Like they're going to use her against you if they capture every, all you guys. And, um, you know, and then there's a part with like an hour and a half into the movie where you feel like it should be over, like, but then it is not over. They, I, I won't really say what happens. Like you kind of leave seal training and come back to seal training. And then it takes like a weird detour at the end. It doesn't need like, um, that feels really necessary. And, yeah, it's just like completely like just all okay. I feel like it's just not like not that great. Um have you ever seen that one? So I don't know if I asked you that when I started. Uh I think I have years ago. I do remember the thing with it was when um Demi Moore shaved her head, which is yeah. the whole thing of Chris Ross Rock's joke, which we won't get into. <laughs> right. But <laughs> but um it is yeah so i gave i vaguely remember watching bits and pieces on tv and i do remember i don't remember the whole we need to choose a model thing it was just that's just like oh my god that's just like the worst pr of like okay we're gonna do something like have a woman in the the army or the seals great but she has to look like demi moore <laughs> right right it's I, I mean maybe that would be realistic especially back then i don't know but um I don't know. It's like everyone's kind of using her and she's kind of a political, Demi, Demi Moore is like a political pawn basically. And, uh, I, you know, it's just not that interesting. And then, um, 
it was funny because I looked up. I was like, okay, this wasn't based on a true story, so I was wrong about that. Um, and I just looked up. I was like, wait, are there any female Navy SEALs? Um, apparently, just last year, a woman, uh, the first woman passed the SEAL training, but she's still not like a full-on Navy SEAL. She's part of like a like a crew that helps the SEALs or gets them to like their destination or something. She's not like a like a full-on Navy SEAL. So we're still not even quite there yet. And who's twenty-five years old? Like we still haven't gotten there. So. Um, Look, women are in the military, and it's fine. It was always, it's always a big thing. Like, you can't let this into the military. You can't let that into the military. It will disrupt. <laughs> you know what? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's, um, okay, yes, there are problems with issues with harassment and assault, which I probably not should bring up. But, yeah, the whole thing of this political thing and the fact, I do remember a lot of boot camp and her being yelled at and in the mud. Right. There's um, a lot of that. There's a lot. That's most of the movie, which is, like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but after a while, you're like kind of numb to it. You're kind of like, okay. And they do different training exercises, and I, I got kind of bored with it. I mean, it's well made. It's really Scott, of course, it's well made, but like, um, you don't really get to know anybody. It's like you don't, which is kind of maybe kind of like the military. I mean, they don't really, you know, they, you know, it's not very personal. <laughs> they want you to just be like a body that executes orders, things like that. But um, yeah, we, it's just weird. It's kind of like, I don't know. The whole thing feels kind of weird and definitely a bit outdated, I would say, like in the way that it handles some things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Credit to Demi Moore. Demi Moore definitely did the work, though. Like physically, she did the work. Like she um, she got in there. And there's some scenes where she like, I, I feel like they definitely got pretty physical, like some fights, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, overall, just was like, yeah, this is pretty average. <laughs> it's just like, this is why no one would talk about G.I. Jane anymore, because it's kind of just an average movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, not so not one of uh ridley scott's underrated then no not an underrated gem in his uh, filmography uh for sure but um not a 1940 no a 1492 god i'm getting everything mixed up today um i <laughs> haven't seen that movie either um me neither actually but i know no. patrick bromley does like it so i'm like ah I should go on a Ridley kick, but I think I'm going to get onto a Norson kick, which Orson Welles kick, which means I'll watch Chimes at Midnight and I'll be like, oh, yep, I'm done. Cool. That and yeah. Touch of Evil, that kick done. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good, good kick to be on, I would say. So, um, <laughs> yes. Um, actually, it's funny you brought up the Northman earlier. Uh, I did see the Northman um, and it's good. It's really good. Um, mm. I was talking to. Uh, our friend Hayden about this too. We both saw it like the same day, I think, and we're chatting about it. And we both thought it was really good. I think we both gave it, it's funny because we both gave it like a high rating on Letterboxd and we were talking about it. And we're saying like, almost like, didn't you feel slightly disappointed? Because I think I went in with very high expectations. Um, and it, I don't know, I, oh boy, what did we say at the time? It was kind of like, yes, it's very good, but it, 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 oh, I don't know how to, it's like Robert Eggers, like he, um, it's obviously him working with a much bigger budget and doing something very different than the last two movies. It almost feels like the epic scope of the whole thing kind of is getting away from him a little bit. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah it would because I mean, he's made he's made very small, intimate, small cast, yeah, cast movies. So yeah. I still can't believe they gave him like, I don't know what the actual budget was, but I think I saw like 60 to 80 million dollars to make the Northman, which is like holy shit so... that's ambulance money i know <laughs> I think it's way more than that. i think ambulance only costs like maybe 40 or maybe 30 i saw it's like yeah it was even... yeah i mean <laughs> it's uh, and there's no drones in the Northman, so no it's like <laughs> um, i know the thing it's... i love about the ambulance is like 
we'll give you no money, but we'll give you a drone. And Michael Bay is like, I know exactly what I'm doing with that shit. It's just like... <laughs> I mean, I was, I was in a Northman the whole time. Oh, this was weird too. I think I posted about this on Twitter, but I just thought it was so strange. I'm not a prude or against this, but I walk in the Northman on like a Sunday afternoon and there's a bunch, there's like a lot of kids there. Like for this R-rated weird Viking movie. And I look around, it's so many kids I question if I'm in the right theater. I'm like looking around like, wait, is this like that movie The Bad Guys, that cartoon, that animated movie? I'm like, this is very weird. And I'm like, no, I'm in the Northman. Okay. Um, it did seem to be a lot of like dads and sons, like um, you know, but which is cool. I'm again, I'm not like against I was taken to so many R-rated violent action movies as a kid like i'm all about this but like something about it being a robert eggers like weird you know like that wasn't like a super mainstream thing that's what i was surprised about um i was like wow this is the movie that the kids were coming to was the Northman. <laughs> like, i've heard that guys have been tricking their girlfriends saying this is a love story to try and get them to go oh, see God. the Northman with them <laughs> so they, i'm sort of wondering if this is what happened with like conan back in 1982 <laughs> um yeah there's a little because bit that of was a big story. that yeah. was yeah that was also a big hit did kids convince because i know i convinced my dad to take me to stuff i should not have been seeing um like i rated movies it's like well my dad's with me so he can take me into the movie but i was sort of wondering it's like this is this what happened with conan they're like oh yeah yeah no 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 it's a love story it's an action adventure and then you're going to go see james Earl jones tell people to drop people off a off a friggin building or whatever he does um <laughs> And everyone's just like going, whoa. Um, I wonder if that's kind of what happened with the Northmen or it was just the picture of Alex Skarsgård looking like chiseled as all hell and everyone just went, yes, this is the movie I want to see. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if they thought it was gonna be like a really straightforward Viking action movie, which is, that's the weird thing. It kind of is in a lot of ways like a straightforward revenge action movie. Um but with a lot of weird Robert Eggers touches mm. along the way, like witches and Bjork shows up for like one scene as like this weird kind of Oracle type thing. And uh, um, I, that's what I was telling. I was telling Hayden, like I should never listen to online early buzz because there was a lot of early online buzz for North and that was saying stuff like um, Anya Taylor joy gives a performance that is like the best she's gonna be up for an Oscar. Like I, this is a revel revelation this performance and like nicole kidman is like if you guys love when nicole kidman like goes over the top or something you're gonna love this and like those two things specifically i didn't really get at all i remember like well those i didn't really agree with that like um and yeah i don't know there was a lot of hype which again i'm bad at, i should tune it i tune it out but I, I can't sometimes and again it's still very very good like i still really liked it but um um there was something that that kept it from like a next level but i mean it's got a lot of cool stuff in it uh it is pretty incredible they gave him this much money for this movie he'll probably never get that much money again i don't know it's not i don't think it's doing that well um but it uh i mean it's cool it's it's interesting to see him stretch out and do something different um i i don't know but it's uh it's and i would love to hear your take on it when you actually see it because it's definitely like it's different it's cool that it's different than stuff we usually get but uh um i did not like fully love it but i really really liked it um no i did see chris itado say that this was what cinema is meant to be so i am now actually very curious to sort of see um to see the northman and 
yeah, I am really curious uh, to, to see it just because I really like Dave, Dave Eggers a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, even though I know it's not doing well, it's people who are not movie like obsessed with it, like we are, are asking me about it. So I'm just like going, there are some weird movies that are kind of popping up in just the normal consciousness. Like we were discussing with um, everything everywhere. And I'm just like, really? These are the movies that hit? This is fascinating. So it'll be interesting to see what else actually is hitting um, this year. Well, it, I mean, it'll be Doctor Strange, but it, or whatever else Marvel's got coming up. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it will be interesting to sort of see, because um, everyone's asking ask me, so what do you think of the Batman? I'm like, I liked it. You didn't love it? That's <laughs> fine. Um, not fine. Actually, I do actually like, I mean, it's very baggy and very goofy um movie which is kind of why i like it i don't know if that was the intent behind it but um yeah it's just it's 2022 has been a weird movie year this year and i don't know if it's because we're getting back in the routine that there are people wanting to see these movies and sort of asking people who they know watch a lot of movies to see if they should go see them in case it's too weird um (laughs) like i had someone asking is you gonna go see that weird movie with like men i'm like Oh yeah, the Alex Garland, absolutely. Rory Kilman should not be in that role of like playing all the men, but he is, and I'm <laughs> dying to see it. That but, looks um, so weird and so interesting. I saw the preview to, again today before everything everywhere all at once, and I was ugh. like, I cannot wait to see what the like kind of uh, maybe the reveal or the trick is of men because I am like I really liked um, uh, Annihilation. Like I love Annihilation. I. I like Ex Machina, but I think I don't like it as much as everybody else does. But I think it's like very well made, obviously. But it's just mm. kind of like I didn't get fully into that one. But he's very talented. I'm very excited about what like what the whole kind of twist on men is going to be because it looks very creepy and weird. And I'm like, oh, what is this going to be? <laughs> yeah, just for reference, Roy Killen, if you don't know, is um, M's assistant in um, the latest uh, Bond movie. I'm blanking on the name. No Time to Die oh okay it's that guy he's you don't know because he's not that actor like that's why i was so surprised i'm like that guy he's (laughs) all the men what um i mean jesse buckley is incredible i mean i like i don't love the two movies she's been in rambling rose um and that really weird one made by had jesse buckley not jesse buckley had jesse plemons in it the other jesse who's also very good um that weird family one of this, like, but she's incredible. Um, so even if I don't like the movie, I think I'm going to love what Jesse Buckley does. But the fact that they don't chose the oddest actor to play everyone else, even like a little boy, there's a shot with you swear. I'm like, is that a child with an, an adult's <laughs> face? But, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it's these kind of movies that they're kind of, I don't know if they're thinking that they're knowing that there's movie geeks like me, he will go, Yes, I will see your Northman. I will see your Daniels movie. I will see everything else. And everyone else who accidentally walks into that theater is going to be sitting there going, oh, I should have watched Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I felt like also when I left the Northman, there was a lot of um, uh, confused people in the crowd. <laughs> like, um, like, huh, that was weird. Um, I, I think they did think they were going to get a straightforward Viking movie. So, um, but yeah, people seem like they're maybe... Uh, trying to go to these kind of um 
uh, I say weirder, you know, not like huge IP Marvel things like recently, because everything I've read all once, like I just read two, this is kind of incredible that here in the States, it had literally, I think from last weekend of this one, this weekend, a 0% drop in the, in how much money they made, which is like unheard of, you know, usually oh, wow. you just keep falling. I don't think even expanded that much uh, i think they just it's word of mouth and probably people like me bringing people back to the movie <laughs> you know saying you got to see this um so it seems like it's doing pretty well and it's like word of mouth is incredible um i feel like it's definitely gonna be like a, a like kind of an underground hit northman will probably be like a cult hit that people will love for years and years you know it's mm. gonna have that kind of like pedigree um and robert agos will go back to making probably just like you know smaller <laughs> even weirder movies i don't know like um, I think you'll be okay, even if this didn't do as well as I hoped. But, um, but yeah, I know it's it's still really good. I didn't. I thought it was kind of sounding negative, but I just think my expectations were really high. Um, and I'm very bad about this. I try to rein them in, and then I, I can't do it. So <laughs> you know, sometimes um, you can't. And Dave Eggers attached to a Viking movie was exciting. It was like I don't even know what this movie's going to be like. Um, <laughs> I still don't actually. I can't wait to see it. Um, I was going to go this weekend. I'm like, going, I, no, I'm not leaving the house. Um, it's, yeah, it's a whole thing of when you think you have COVID, but you don't think you have COVID because you're like, I've been vaccinated up to my eyeballs. It shouldn't be this. Oh, I got masks come off and I get the worst. I get the other, the horrible thing. Okay. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I understand. So, I mean, you can watch movies so comfortably at home. Why leave? You know, it's like, exactly. Um, I get it. So, okay, last thing, and this thing will lead us into Con Air because it is a, another Nick Cage movie. Uh, <laughs> I know sure. what this is. <laughs> yep, we planned this out perfectly. Um, but I know you've seen uh, newer movie, uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where Nick mm, Cage yeah. plays Nick Cage. And, he does. Um, a very convincing Nick Cage, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> very good at playing himself. Uh, mm. That um, So... Uh, I will, I guess I'll go first because I brought it up. Um, and I feel kind of bad because I, I, okay. <laughs> I obviously love Nick Cage. We've talked about it many times in the show. Um, and we I will talk excited. about it in this episode, how much we'll we love Nick episode. Cage. It's not even him. I don't think he's the problem with the movie. And I think Pedro Pascal is great too. My problem, like I thought this movie was like, okay. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. Like a, it's fine. You know, that kind of thing. But the problem was, for me, that I would rather just have a movie of Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal's characters like hanging out at um, Pedro Pascal's like uh, villa or whatever, and hanging out and like talking about Paddington Two or whatever, <laughs> like it just being buddies. The movie feels like it has to have this other like CIA subplot um, that I don't think works very well and there's two cia agents that i'm like why are you even here played by tiffany haddish and oh boy what's his name um, two comedians not being that funny which yeah. always annoys me um <laughs> like baron holtz and i Ike baron holtz even in the movie way less than tiffany haddish i felt like i'd forgotten mm. he was there in like the last scene you see him and i'm like oh right you were here um they feel kind of wasted as two people i think are pretty funny um and there's a whole like last i feel like it really wants to turn into an action movie for like the last like 20 minutes maybe a little more i don't i don't think it's a very good action movie um like it's not very good at the action so it's no. kind of like that's disappointing um yeah i just thought it was i thought nicholas cage and Pedro scow were like very good in a not 
great movie, which was disappointing for me. But I mean, I had a fun time. Like I didn't leave there like pissed off or anything. I just was disappointed is all. But um, it did not diminish my love for Nick Cage. What did you think of it? I kind of agree with you. I think the plot is very 1995, which I think was kind of done on purpose because that is kind of the era. Um, it's, I mean, the movie opens with Con, of Conair. Um, right, that's a really good tie into this. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, it all comes back together. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes. It all comes back together. See, we have a plan. No, it's it literally opens with Conair. So this is referencing a very specific era of Nick Cage's past glory. Um, even though he does talk to his younger self, which I showed on the trailer, which I was very annoyed about. Um, <coughs> and it's this kind of thing of like, okay, so you're trying to do this very 90s action movie, which now unfortunately feels dated. But you have this amazing stuff where it's just Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal taking LSD, swapping shoes, talking about Paddington 2, and also the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which I, that was my favorite part of the movie. When he sort of was making his teenage daughter watch that movie, I'm like, Okay, I think I kind of love this movie. But, um, I mean, this is a friggin' mainstream movie that's friggin' talking about Caligari. But I think because we love the, um, this area of Nick Cage because we have nostalgia for it um, and for Nick Cage. We love Nick Cage because there's stuff, there's a lot of stuff like Pig and Willy's Wonderland and Mandy and all this other kind of stuff is kind of his reinvention. So it kind of feels like he's going back. And as much as I love that stuff, I don't want him to go back. I want him to do, keep doing his interesting, even his DTV stuff, I think is, I mean, mm -hmm. trust is, I love some of that stuff. I like frigging Frozen Ground. Again, John Cusack, and it's not that great a movie, but <laughs> I will, I, yeah, okay, serial killer in Alaska, let's do this. Um, but I think it's kind of got this, dated feel of this plot that would have been in 95 that again they're wasting two really brilliant comedians and they're not funny um and not even in big roles well they do something with them and it and because pedro and nick are so good that the movie just drops the plot and then we'll just pick up characters again you're like oh yeah this is actually what this movie is about so if it was kind of like the trip where it was just those two hanging out five star movie and i kind yeah, of yeah go up and down on it sometimes I'm like no no i think the stuff that i love is enough to make me love this movie and i'll watch it again other times it's like well, yeah their plot wasn't that great was it but <laughs> they were trying a thing but i don't think it completely worked i mean the whole stuff with the golden guns is freaking hilarious um yeah. <laughs> no those are my golden guns no they're mine um and the fact that they you do reference some really bizarre nick cage movies like guarding tests um <laughs> yeah it's kind of guarding tests was, yeah <laughs> one of pedro pascal's favorite movies apparently um did not expect that yeah <laughs> did not expect that reference to come up i mean yes face off is referenced conair is referenced mandy the was Rock. called a masterpiece i was happy about that i was like yes. oh the maestro he goes oh yes who's the maestro i'm like good boy um <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely kind of goes through how we see nick cage but i think because they wanted to make it more popular they were like oh no We'll just sort of go for the big broad strokes. I'm like, yeah, but then Nick Cage is so good. I mean, that audition scene he does at the beginning is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm up and down on it. I think the stuff I love and I really love, but I just wish the plot was stronger. They kind of did more with the cliche, if that makes sense. 
yeah no i think we're on the same page basically Mm. so um yeah by the end i was like oh this thing is really not (laughs) like i was kind of checked out in the third act with all the it's just action stuff it's like oh as soon as the daughter element came in i'm like okay you you made a watch caligari awesome if this is you (laughs) trying to reconnect with your daughter and i know that you have like actually he doesn't have five i think he has two with one on the way but um nick cage would be a difficult father anyway but um (laughs) it's kind of um yeah i was like oh no we're not doing the father daughter yeah okay we're doing the father daughter okay fine that's why you showed conair that very particular scene at the end this is going to be him trying to reconnect with his daughter i'm like going ah do we have to do that it's been done so many times yeah yeah it's uh I don't, I mean, just, I don't know if it's directed very well. The guy was like, who is this guy? He did like one movie like seven years ago called like that awkward moment with like Zac Efron and Michael B. Jordan that I don't think anyone really talks about. Um, And I was like, oh, maybe that's part of the problem is it's not a very strong director. And, you know, that might've helped. Um, I mean, again, it's not, it's not terrible. It's just like, oh, this could have been better if you guys just didn't try to do all this extra stuff with the cia plot and you know there's even a way that could be funnier but it's just yeah i don't know it's it's just uh disappointing i would say (laughs) so um but the stuff with nick cage and pedro pascal absolutely worth it i mean when they're (laughs) high um in that little (laughs) garden is and when they literally when they swap shoes is one of my favorite moments of the year so there are moments in this movie that are (laughs) perfect it just has nothing to do with the construction of the movie at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of great moments mixed in with a structure that's not super great. So uh, maybe I would enjoy it more down the road, catch on TV or something. And I'm like, you know, oh, this was funny part. This was a funny bit. I, d- I don't know. But um, away from the expectations of, you know, thinking it'd be um, yeah, this really fun, great comedy that I was looking forward to this year. And it's kind of like, eh, it didn't turn out that great. But who knows it's uh it's got moments for sure so um but speaking of better nicholas cage movies that we could talk about let's talk about con air let's get into it yeah we are <laughs> <laughs> very excited um a movie i think i just watched like six months ago i mean i probably rewatch it like once every couple of years but i had just rewatched it like a few months ago and then when you were doing this i was like i can watch con air again yeah and a heartbeat <laughs> and uh um I'm, I, I told you before we start recording, but I'm going to say this a lot. Like, goddamn, Con Air is just a flat-out, super fun action movie. Like, I don't even, like, I was like, I hope I don't sound like a broken record. But it's like, it is it is just so much fun. And um, just, you know, just a super solid 90s action movie, which is, like, just one of my favorite things. So <laughs> just be a awesome 90s action movie and that's my that's my jam so what but what are, what are your thoughts on con air Lindsay? oh i love con air i've gone up and down on it um there's a joke in um how i met your mother when you put two of the characters in a car 12 hour road trip and the only song they can hear is i walked a thousand miles they sing it they <laughs> hate it they like this is me with con air because in my house this is a fuck it movie fuck it we can't uh-huh. figure out what to watch We'll put on Con Air. This is either Con Air or The Matrix or For a Time Venom, which I finally quashed because I'm like, I can't watch Venom again. <laughs> um, please yeah. don't make me do it. Um, As someone who didn't love Venom, that would be tough for me. I would have had to squash that a long time ago. <laughs> like, no more Venom. No more. I have. I had some patience, but not that. Not yeah. Um, 
now it's now it's the predator so we'll see how this goes oh god but, that's um, not much of an upgrade ugh. on my end <laughs> like i don't know about the the, the i got like predator i think i like the predator more than i like venom but we'll, well soon i think see. i do too but it's it's not a it's not a great <laughs> it's not a great upgrade i would say <laughs> from my perspective but uh no uh, matrix yeah. and Conair, yes i can watch in a heartbeat and i have and this is definitely it so if we're on streaming we're arguing of what to watch dan <laughs> whichever one dan comes across first my partner he'll be like fuck it we're watching Conair," and i'm like perfect let's do it and yeah there was a time i was like oh god this movie's so dumb <laughs> so dumb and it is in the best 90s way like i watched sun death a couple of weeks ago dumbest movie ever perfect i love it um i mean the, the, uh, van damme fights a goddamn mascot in a kitchen and i won't even get into the ending which is perfect <laughs> but and then the more i watch it i was like going i oh, know i really know I'm back to where I was when this movie came out, when I saw it in the theater. Love it, love it, love it. And then I was watching it for this podcast going, because when you're trying to think of things to say about it, I was starting to read a whole bunch of stuff into this movie and none of it was intended. It is, um, this movie has aged in a very specific, I think this is this movie ages. I think people will look at it a little bit differently, especially in terms of the masculinity of it, because this is such a masculine testosterone infused gyms were apparently just offset everyone was working out everyone thought they were the lead of the movie um uh-huh. and they weren't except for Nick Cage who's oh the, yeah I mean the lead the of lead. the movie yeah <laughs> Cusack no you're not um <laughs> but it is such a as I said Tony Scott and Michael Bay had a movie and Jerry and Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson were the godparents and you get can't air but it is such the it is almost the quintessential 90s action movie isn't it like the later 90s quintessential movie isn't it it does feel that way i was thinking when i watched it i'm like man this just feels like it encapsulates everything of that uh that time period like it it uh, it's hard to describe like it's just a feeling like the way it looks the way it's shot probably because it's a bruckheimer thing and he's yes. in charge of most of the the big action movies, the big blockbusters of the nineties. Um, and I mean, Simon West directed it and Simon West has directed uh, some other things that I am not as high on, <laughs> like, and no offense to our friend, Mark Warner, uh, the when a stranger calls remake. I know Mark loves that, but, um, he, Simon West did direct the best expendables movie, which is expendables Two. I will give him that. Um, but this almost feels like, like, Jerry Bruckheimer handpicked a guy and was like, I want you to do it like this. And Simon West did that job really well. Like, cause I think it's very well directed in the style of like, this is a big nineties action blockbuster it has all the hallmarks of like, uh, like a Michael Bay or Tony Scott thing. It's like almost like Simon West was like made in a laboratory and someone took, <laughs> someone took Tony Scott and Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer added a little of himself and was like my perfect director, Simon West for Connie. <laughs> Like it has the slow motion shots. It has like the big hero shots, like the big grand kind of thing. You know, the the, the score is incredible. I got to talk about the score. Score is um, amazing. Mm. Like it's got this big, like just epic sounding score that makes everything like so much more dramatic than it would be from like Trevor Rabin and uh, Mark Mancina, I believe, were the two mm. guys that composed it. Because um, that's this time I was like for some reason like especially focused on how good the score is and like how just uh kind of over the top but in a really good way i think that completely it, heightens the movie <laughs> yeah. it really is because there's that famous 
I mean, there are two famous Conair gifts that I love to use all the time. It's actually still my frequency. It's when he gets off the bus, hair blowing in whatever that hair is. Um, it's not a, quite a mullet, yet not quite a woman. It's it's kind of in between. Um, <laughs> it's my new single. Not quite a mullet, not yet a woman. <laughs> not quite a woman. <laughs> oh, that, uh, yeah, it's, I was thinking that too. I was like, it's not really a mullet, but it's, just, I think it's just longer hair but kind of short on the top it's very interesting. Yes. i don't know yeah i don't, I don't know, know quite on. no i don't know quite it is but it, it's doing something and it's a superpower <laughs> and then the other moment is is that wink he's not quite giving it directly oh, into camera yeah. like franco nero but he's he's doing a um from ninja into the ninja if people don't know watch that movie to the end it makes it trust me the ending's worth it that wink um <laughs> But it is kind of thing, and then it's this big dramatic moment. But when you actually watch it in the context of the movie, it's just him winking at Ving Rhames because he convinced he got um, Cyrus the Virus, best names in a movie, by the oh way, this thing has. Yeah, that's a great bad guy name. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the best bad guy name, Cyrus the Grissom Virus. Um, <laughs> to convince Ving Rhames not to shoot prison guards, and he winks, and it's like the biggest moment. I'm like, that's not a movie moment. That is not kind of. But yet him winking at Ving Rhames is now this bigger than life thing. And I forgot where it was in the movie. And I went, hang on a second. That's not a, that's not even a really a hero moment. But it is in Con Air. Because we're in, welcome to Con Air. And this is what we're doing. Everything is, you're right, is big. It's over the top. The music's grander than it should be. Um, everyone is speaking in this very specific action language. Um, except for Steve Buscemi who's in his own movie and I still think he's the <laughs> sweetest guy in the movie, even though he is meant to be like Hannibal Lecter. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead. We'll talk. Uh, his, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. It's hard not to, um, the, where, the, where they leave Steve Buscemi, I'm like, wait, should he just be like kind of out in the world? Like with, uh, the, yeah, what they've accused him of. I'm like, that seems dangerous, but yeah, I mean, you know, he does weirdly also seem like, at least the most, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, at times, peaceful, thoughtful one of the group, like compared to the other guys. So he's just sitting there most of the time, just kind of saying stuff. No, he really is. I mean, I'm happy with the fact that he's in Vegas. If he can decapitate <laughs> a woman, good for him. Like, it's no. I mean, now that I watch it, I know there's no way he's going to kill that little girl. The first time I was like, and oh, sitting in yeah, the movie yeah. theater back in seven, I'm like, is he going to kill that girl? Now I'm like. No, he's not. He's hanging out. He's he's yeah. a really chill serial killer, and I'm not bothered by the fact that he's out in the world. It's it's kind of strange. I mean, yeah, he's kind of the one who can kind of see. He knows he's in an action movie, and he's fine with it. I mean, the whole thing of definition of idiots, people dancing to a song, um, whether well, because they're dancing to "Our Sweet Home Alabama," oh, and yeah. it's like uh, different definition of irony. People dancing on a plane to a song where the band was killed in a plane, plane crash. crash. Yeah, that was a good point. I was like, oh, he's got a point. Uh, it's like, he's like the weird, yeah, the thoughtful one of the group, even though he's supposed to be the most dangerous, you know, guy in the whole gang. That's a pretty great reveal too. If you don't know what's happening, then they bring him on. He's like Hannibal Lecter. And then they pull the mask off and it's like, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it's like, oh, didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> oh boy. That, uh, it's it's oh there's so many characters I, this is i'm having a hard time even like focusing because there's so many 
the things to talk about and so many different characters this movie who all have amazing like nicknames like everybody's got a nickname <laughs> like, so um, I, I, I can't remember if i wrote them all down but they are just um they're kind of incredible nicknames um <laughs> and it's i mean yes the premise of this movie is so dumb that I kind of love it. And not the fact that this is about a plane that sort of has happened to be carrying every single notorious FBI most wanted captured criminal in America, apparently. But the <laughs> fact that Nicolas Cage is sent to jail for self-defense because he was in, was he, was he a Navy SEAL or a Marine? He's an Army Ranger. Army Ranger. The government taught him, because the United Army, States Army taught him to kill he is now a dangerous weapon and should have known better, therefore is going to prison for six years for self-defense. It is, you're just watching this and going, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Even oh. in the laws of this movie, this makes no sense. Oh, <laughs> yeah, trust me. Let's, okay, I'm going to roll my sleeves up again on my soap. Like, this is this is so funny bringing this up because <laughs> this is one of the uh, classic, I don't know, my mom was going to see all these uh, action movies like on dates uh in the 90s oh that's right and she and had to I come back home and tell you all about it because yeah to me my classic like my mom told me this story so she saw con air con air might be her favorite of all the like 90s action movies she saw because it had a i think because uh it had kind of a a love story basically or you know him trying to get home to his wife and daughter and she thought that was sweet and my mom loves we'll talk about that she loves the song in this movie the how do i live without <laughs> you the big the which, big power ballad <laughs> which version because it was controversy at the time with this song if i remember correctly oh that's a whole other story <laughs> yes so okay so uh but yeah so my mom came back and told me about con air and as she would do and i'd be like i want to see con air but i wouldn't wasn't allowed to I was like, tell me about it and she starts off you know telling me okay so nick cage is with his pregnant wife at a bar and these guys are harassing him and he fights them and he kills them by accident and I'm like, okay, self-defense, right? She goes, no, because she goes, he goes to court and the courts tell him no, because you were trained, um, you know, as an army ranger, you're a dangerous, technically a dangerous weapon or like a something, you know, and some bullshit. And, deadly <laughs> weapon, I think he's actually deadly called. Weapon. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he has to go to jail. And I'm like, even as a little kid, I was outraged. Lindsay, I can tell you for years, I was outraged about this. My my justice juices were flowing. I was like, this is an injustice. I was like, this is bullshit. I was like, he was defending a pregnant wife. Um, I'm still mad about it. Although watching the movie, I do forget there's little, <laughs> there are a couple little things where it's like, he did have the chance to get in the car and drive away, but he doesn't. Mm. Like they're, they're pretty clear. They're about to get in the car. He's got, she's in the car. He's like got a foot in and the guys are like, not that close. And mm. he still is like, I'm going to fight these guys. So I was like, okay. Not great, Nicholas Cage, but I'm still on your side. Um, he does kill the guy by, by accident. And I forgot in the court case, he refuses to plead guilty. Even though the lawyer's like, if you just plead guilty, you'll get less time. And he's like, I won't do it. Another thing, I, that one I get more. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to plead guilty either if I you know, knew what I, I was doing. But a um, couple little things where I was like, you kind of shot yourself in the foot a little bit. But still, mm. I think it's an outrage in the beginning that because these guys were you know hassling him, and threatening him because they had like broken a bottle and like, you know, all that stuff. Um, Cause he accidentally killed one. He goes to jail for like eight years, six years, eight, eight, I think it's six or eight years. And uh, like, I was just, I was so mad. <laughs> it's like, that's not fair. I yelled at my mom and she's like, I know, I know. Um, and then he's on this flight with all these very, very dangerous people. And he's just trying to get a ride home. <laughs> Way above his um, 
He is not sharing a jail cell with any of these guys. Like, (laughs) um, he is not a career criminal, like all these guys are. Like, as the guy said, oh, I've got some Dateline, some, like, Donahue, and, like, an an actual Geraldo interviewee. It's, um, (laughs) he's not meant to be on this. Him and, um, oh, he also has a really great nickname. Bubba from... Baby-o. <laughs> yeah, McKelty uh, Williamson, who's like his yes. buddy. Who oh do... my god, yeah. he was so goddamn useless. Yes, I realize they should have given him his insulin before he got they got on the plane. That was that was on Rachel Tickerton. I will blame her. That's um, <laughs> she should have given it to him in the, on the bus, not in here. But, okay. <laughs> and then once he gets it, first thing he does is get shot. I'm like... Oh my God, you are so goddamn useless. Um, it's just <laughs> true. Well, that's true. I feel bad for him, but also like, yeah, he is just completely useless at that point and not helping Nick Cage. No, at all. he is. He is just making things worse. Because <laughs> at enough, that stage, Grissom already knows it's freaking Cage. It's not or um. Cameron Poe. <laughs> Cameron Poe. God damn, it's such they a brilliant name. name. A lot. They say Poe. They do a lot. <laughs> because they know how good a name their name is. <laughs> Someone you a supercut, which is all the time say Cameron Poe or just Poe. I think Poe has said a lot. Like Poe po has hear... said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not very helpful, but uh, he's a nice enough guy. You're like, I believe he is. he'd stick around to help his friend out. Um, and funny enough, you, you mentioned her. This is the second week in a row with a Rachel uh, uh, Ticotin uh, appearance. And I recognized yes. her this time. I'm like on Man on Fire when I was like. I was going to ask you, did you finally shit. recognize Rachel Ticotin? No, I recognized her this time. Maybe because it was a little closer to total recall me because i was more aware of it because of man on fire but i felt so bad when i did i was like wait that's rachel tickleton from total recall what the fuck like um didn't even put it together felt like an idiot but uh mm. she's two weeks in a row on uh on the show and um i mean she's she's good i mean it's like the you know she the, the part is not uh it's not a super meaty part but i mean who does really uh it's like she basically she does there. it well yeah 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 I'm... i mean there's a lot of like her being threatened i feel like because it's almost like the the gi jane thing i talked about it's like she's the woman amongst all these guys and they're using her kind of against nicholas cage in some ways like um i mean you got Jen- danny trejo who i love in real life and his character is so despicable in this is like johnny 23 johnny 23 but if you knew what, what number was you'd be at be johnny yeah. 500 this so like horrible yeah rapist and it's like oh god get keep her away from him at all costs because he's a he's a very bad man um amongst it's, a lot of bad people <laughs> yes but the fact that all the bad guys are looking at him going you're the worst i mean that my favorite line is john malkovich going i despise rapists you're somewhere between a cockroach and the white stuff that accumulates at the edge of your mouth when you're thirsty um these are horrible men but they have standards that's kind of it's a weird thing they're kind of like going, yeah these are the worst of the worst but Johnny Trejo is the actual worst of the worst. It's um, this kind of weird thing because it is kind of the spectrum of different masculinity. I mean, if John Cusack was in an, an actual Michael Bay movie, someone would beat him up for being a fucking nerd. <laughs> With his socks and sandals, yeah. <laughs> With his socks and sandals and looking at the whole... Um, he doesn't actually have a point of view on the prison system and rehabilitation, everything like that, but he's kind of painted in that corner. Yeah. He deflects every single time he's asked. But it's just kind of interesting of the different kinds of forms of, and I don't think this was done on purpose, but the fact that you do have a trans character who is called Sally Can't Dance, because the first thing she does when she gets off that plane is she's out of her uniform, find a dress. 
Um, and everyone is fine with her, which is what I kind of love. But I'm watching this movie going, wow, I think this movie's actually aged better than I think people thought it would have um, in that very specific sense. But at the same time, this is a movie where they crash land on the Vegas Strip because it's friggin' 1997 and this is what you're going to do. So it's, I know I'm reading way too much into it, but the different kind, I mean, the whole thing between Colmini and John Cusack is, I love it so much. And it's just these different kinds of alpha males battling it out. I think Simon West, his only job on set was ego control. I think he was literally, <laughs> yeah. which is why he was so good, got the job as Expendables too. That's um, a great point. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Because like, he, know yeah. <laughs> he knows how to handle egos. And there are, so, I mean, even the guy who's flying the plane feels like he's got the biggest dick energy. And <laughs> even Dave Chappelle, I'm like, who also we know now has is very big ego, yes. And <laughs> it's just like, is Nick Cage the most laid-back guy on the set? And I don't think he would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I uh, um I did I did read the behind the scenes like the set was like a giant uh pissing contest, like a dick measuring contest. Like um I can't remember who said it, but one guy was like, if somebody spit on the ground, then every other guy around him have to like spit more or spit, you know, like do a bigger spit. It's like every little thing was like you know some some masculinity measuring contest basically um which i could tell i mean you feel that energy i think you really do movie. it's like it comes through um and yeah god bless iron west for like keeping this in they probably you have two jobs make shit look really cool and uh keep and like keep this cast like kind of in line you know somewhat as much as you can so um, see that guy with all the yeah see all those handcuffs put them over a guy and have a shot shooting up so it looks like the coolest thing ever that you actually oh are in a in a bay movie um <laughs> yes that shot make, didn't last that long but i thought that's it, such a cool shot yeah it's, it's like, a cool it's, shot but and make sure no one kills each other it's or no one walks off set or no one does this and i think he right. If you're looking at it for that point of view, I think he did a really good job because you can feel the pissing match happening on screen. This is a movie where everyone's trying to one-up each other. Even, I mean, you can't do it with Poe because it's goddamn Nicolas Cage and he's going to tell you to put that bunny back in the box. <laughs> um, but it's kind of, um, it is kind of the kind of ultimate, oh, no, 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 no. I, I can do it better than you can. And it's like... It probably didn't need to be this intense, but I think it actually works for the movie that you're watching because it just heightens it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, oh boy, yeah, it's it's just it's funny because I'm curious your thoughts on this, like, um, because I was watching Connor this time and I'm like, this is just such a big, straightforward '90s action movie, and I don't think this movie has any anything to say about anything. <laughs> no, as okay. I said, when I I yeah. said I was reading that into it because I think it's interesting that. Bay, uh, Tony Scott loves an intellectual. He doesn't like a nerd. Like his characters are very thoughtful, but they're not nerds. I mean, going back to our last episode with Man on Fire, mm -hmm. Denzel is a very thoughtful, intelligent human being, but he will beat up a nerd. Um, <laughs> I think if someone walked into a room and started being nerdy, he'd beat him up. <laughs> Same, but, and Michael Bay, you are the slightest bit nerdy. I mean, the slightest bit thing. Someone is you are one the butt of the joke so someone's going to beat the crap out of you um i mean i've recently watched the rock i'm like oh this movie really doesn't like nerds does it <laughs> this movie has nerds it has very very different kind of people in it but they are very 
masculine. I mean, John Cusack is a nerd in this movie, but you love him, even though every character he meets wants to beat the living shit out of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he walks in with his socks and sandals, or Birkenstocks. I'm not even sure what those would be. The yeah. shoes he has on. <laughs> like he crosses his legs. He's very calm. He's just like rolling shit on Cole Meany. <laughs> but it's, but yeah, but you have those kind of variety, and I'm like going, this is interesting. But this was not intended. They got John Cusack in because John Cusack is a, really was hot in 1997 or 96 or whenever they shot this. Um, but this this was not intended. I mean, John Malkovich has no business being a 90s action bad guy. Yet he's <laughs> one of the best there is. And they have to kill him three times to actually get oh rid of God. him. Yeah, they really. Oh, my God, that's dead. dead. It's like, nope, he's not dead yet. <laughs> just keep on i'm like how when is he gonna die um i almost it's, it's so long that i almost forget the actual death of what like what it actually is um me and my father counted the amount of times he died yeah. it ended up being three but it oh, was... okay. yeah i probably should people i think know at this point like yeah we're gonna spoilers it's a 25 year old movie but it's you know um, I mean, who hasn't seen connie seriously i don't know <laughs> if you haven't seen connie and you're listening to this just stop listening and go watch it and come back and listen to us talk about it more but um it's on prime right now too very easily <laughs> to get um it's funny. Oh, man. Okay. So you mentioned John Cusack and John Malkovich, both of whom I was reading uh, were not super happy during making the movie. Um, John Malkovich apparently was not happy because apparently the script was being rewritten all the time and he had no idea what was going to happen with his character. Oh, no. Um, and John Cusack considers Con Air a bad movie, apparently. He said he hated the time. He spent working on it. Um, said so much so that he barely remembers doing it. Um he said he only did it because of the money and he wanted to increase his star power to get more leverage or to make like some smaller indie passion project type thing. So, well, um, yeah, apparently they told he when he first they said, oh, no, you are the lead. You are the lead of this oh, movie. This is yeah. going to be around you. And when he got on filming, he was like, I'm not the lead, am I? It's <laughs> <laughs> in his own little like separate side movie that ends up. He is. Yeah. But, with Nicolas Cage's movie. At some point. But this is Nicolas Cage movie. So it's kind of I think he got on set and went. I've made a huge mistake, but he's really good in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure he got paid well. It's an expensive oh, movie, yeah. so um, I mean, he gets to drive a cool car. I mean, he got to, you know, it's like and a motorbike. Yep. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, they get to team up at the end. They're police bikes. Uh, we're all over the place. I, this okay. One thing I love about Con Air uh, is is that it, it, you feel like it should be over at a certain point, and then they tack on one last action set piece they crash a goddamn plane onto the vegas strip and you think that's good enough i'm good movie and they're like no we're not done yet here's a tr here's a place to chase with like nicholas cage and john cusack on police motorcycles behind a fire truck and that's also a great set piece it's like it's like they just it's i love how they keep giving you more it's like <laughs> there's a giant shootout at that like plane um the boneyard they call it then they crash the plane on the strip and there's a chase. I'm like, oh my God, this movie is just like, just keeps, it's a gift that keeps on giving, really. <laughs> it, it really is. It, it doesn't stop. I mean, it's the first few moments when he's in prison, all I can think about is um, Raising Arizona because he's narrating his prison experience oh, and all yeah. I can go, oh my God, it's freaking high. Um, <laughs> and even though complete, I, I do realize they're different, but I'm just like going, but are they? Um, but as soon as he gets on that plane and you as soon as you see them take up god the pins in the hand feels like it hurts um the pins in the hands you can tell this is going to be like a coordinated event 
um, it doesn't stop and it keeps going bigger and bigger and bigger. When you don't think this movie can get any bigger, Nicolas Cage is hanging off the back of a fire truck um, trying to get to Cyrus the virus. And it's, and it's insane. And then you get to his death and you're just like, and then that song starts. So yeah, this movie is just, it doesn't stop there's so much adrenaline that you just kind of just get hyped up every single because usually I get exhausted I'm like okay movie I need you to calm down a little bit I'm getting tired <laughs> there's too much movie can we just like cool it and not with Connie I'm like yeah you give me that shootout in the boneyard um you give me Nicolas Cage walking away from a massive explosion halfway through the movie you give me um like uh, yeah everything that happens in that movie and then you've still got like another two action set pieces to go after that. It's it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it just it keeps topping itself. I feel like which I love. It's like I was I was thinking about this with Face Off recently, or someone said it that like the first ten minutes of Face Off would be most action movies finales, and it's the yes. beginning of the movie. <laughs> like, and Con Air is like you could pick any one of those like three like the big shootout and escape. Um, or the crash on the strip or the last chase on the fire truck and the food. Any one of those I think would be a fine finale in most movies, but it's like this one gives you all of those <laughs> like back to back to back. Um, it's crazy. I, oh my God, I, that's, I love it so much. Like I, that's, I just, I, I yearn for these, these 90s action movies that like went all out like this. And um, I, you know, I mean, I feel like, the thing I think of most these days it's doing it is like when I watch the John Wick movies and I feel like they're constantly like chucking these amazing like action set pieces at you. And I feel like they're very well um, kind of stacked, you know, they kind of get building and building. Um, but yeah, it's just, does it, we don't get them as much anymore. So I, that's why I continually like, you know, kind of long for these nineties action movies. Uh, yeah. Because massive talent was trying to ape this movie, but it doesn't go big enough. And I don't oh, know if no, it's because yeah. of cost, because <clears throat> I spent all the money on Cage and Pedro. Um, but yeah, if you're going to go 90s action, you have to go this big. I mean, this is what the 90s were known for. I mean, uh, yeah, you need to go this big. I mean, this face-off hasn't even come up, come uh, being released yet. And the action in that movie is insane. 90s action movies went big with the explosions. They spent as much money on the special effects and the explosions probably as they did on the movie stars, which is maybe why they were just more expensive. We just can't afford it. But maybe we should be just spending the money on that. I mean, I agree with you for sure. And it's so funny you brought up, uh, you just brought up Face Off 2 coming out. Like um, Face Off, I, I had not realized this until I was doing research for this podcast i didn't know i knew they were close together but it hadn't clicked with me that con air and face off come out with they're both come out in june of 97 you get two oh amazing, shit they're both 97 i thought it was the next year wow month in 97 june 6 con air comes out in 97 and i think i saw face off came out like june 26 something like that like so literally in the same month you get two amazing nick cage action movies like what a we were so spoiled. What a treat. Like, that's un like, oh my God. I, that blew my mind when I read that. I was like, they came out in the same month? Like, Oh my, it's insane. Because I remember going to see Can't Air, loving it. Then going to see, it might have been a little bit later when Face Off came out for where I was. And I remember going, 
this is weird. I don't know if I love this because I wasn't entirely sure how to take a John Woo movie, but I love the fact that they came out so close together. And one is ridiculous and one is one of the greatest action movies of the 90s. Well, they actually are both, but they are very different toned. Both ridiculous, but still both two of the greatest action movies of the 90s, I would say. (laughs) Ridiculous in in different ways. Ridiculous in different ways. And as Nick Cage says, a massive talent. Uh, woo, maestro. Um, so <laughs> Simon West was just trying to keep everything together and probably pulling out his hair and having to take a lot of volume or something just to calm himself down. <laughs> yeah, I mean he does a he does a good job directing. I was impressed in his oh. directing. Um, uh, what else I got here? I guess I mean, I guess kind of three main guys like um, John Malkovich feels. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say overqualified for this, but. Uh, no, I would. <laughs> <laughs> to to be the bad guy in a uh, uh, a '90s action movie, but, but he really feels like if he wasn't happy, I can't tell because I feel like he's really uh, relishing the whole thing and like really every like every line delivery. I feel like he brings it and it has like uh, quite a few that are just very good like <laughs> line readings, like really interesting. Um, of course, now that I say that, I can't think of one on top of my head, but, um, he's definitely bringing this interesting thing. Cause he's not like, he's not like, like a big imposing tough guy bag. He seems like more like a cerebral, um, psycho type bad guy. Like he's gonna, yes. yeah. Like they're all following him for a reason, you know? And, uh, I love in that shot, I think you mentioned it where everything blows up behind like all the convicts and everybody else like looks back and puts their arms up like, Whoa. And John Malkovich just keeps on walking staring straight ahead. Like it doesn't bother him at all. <laughs> like it is like, a very, very cool moment. It's yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's got the muscle from Bing Rames and the guy who plays as a Billy the butcher. Um, yeah. Um, Billy, uh, is it Billy Bedlam? Is that the Bill, guy Billy Bedlam. No, yeah. you're right. It's Billy yeah. Bedlam. <laughs> um, so he's got his kind of tough guy and he's got his little weasel kind of, um, Hustler is in with um, Dave Chappelle. Um, I forgot that that poor guy, which, why does it always say the Native American? They sit on freaking fire in these movies. Um, but I forgot that he survived. So when he's kind of waving to him at the plane, it's very funny. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's, um, yeah, he does, Malkovich sometimes it can sound bored as an actor, but that's just his style. But I think he is, rel- he feels like he is relishing this movie. There are some moments he does seem bored because Harris the virus would be bored. He's the smartest person in the room and he knows it. He's not used to coming up against people who actually can figure his stuff out, which of course is Cameron Poe in this movie. Um, just by the sheer weight of his whatever, not quite a mullet hairdo. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, but I think he is really, really good. Though when you see the Dave Chappelle dummy, as in after he's actually died him in qu- under the wheel, did you notice the dummy had better teeth <laughs> than actual Dave Chappelle has? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not notice that. Um, that's funny. They were like, "We can, we can improve the teeth on that dummy." <laughs> like, I got obsessed with it. I was like rewinding it. I'm like, Dan, look at the teeth. He's like, I'm looking at the teeth. <laughs> no, you go back to Dave Chappelle. He hasn't done anything to his teeth yet. This is like pre Chappelle show. This is like he's not. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just a he's a up and coming comedian on the circuit. He's not what he's going to be. He hasn't done his teeth yet, and we just went, <laughs> oh shit, they gave him better teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is. I think this is the same year as Half Baked for Dave Chappelle. Maybe that was a year later. Um, yeah, but he's definitely. Oh yeah, it's next year he does Half Baked. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's really to most people like 
think unknown at this time. Like, um, it's weird how big he got. And then like, he's in this movie and like, I mean, I'll put, put all the stuff aside. I don't want to get into like what people think about his comedy and politics. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a whole thing, but I think he's, I think he's funny in this movie, in this role. Like, I think he's like pretty good comic relief, honestly. I think, he, I think he is too. Um, yeah. Getting into, not getting into what he is now, which probably happens to a lot of wealthy people, but um, <laughs> I think he is good. And that movie has a lot of that. I mean, Dust Till Dawn would have come out by this stage, but in terms of just a general audience, I don't know of people who would have seen, was he in Dust Till Dawn? Are we talking yes, about? Yes, he was. Dan- Danny Trejo. Oh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. I mean, he's in Des- Desperado in 95. He's in Dust Till Dawn in 96. So um, I think Okay. So he, he might've been a bit, yeah, he yeah. might've been a familiar face, especially with Desperado. Cause I'm not entirely sure the same people who would have gone to see Dust Till Dawn would have gone to seen Con Air, but they would have <laughs> seen Desperado. Um, so that that falls away the wayside but i was just sort of thinking yeah this is kind of everyone is someone in this movie it's kind of insane um i mean yes i mean the cast is insane i mean yes you do have the main three of nick cage john malkovich john kusap you have steve Buscemi, dave chappelle monica potter ving rames rachel tickerton Colm meany i mean it's a virtual kind of who's who and i'm pretty sure i'm missing people out as well i mean yeah it's like people just keep popping up and you're like, Oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. I think you named most of them there. I think, uh, mm. that, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, again, like it kind of reminded me of Armageddon in the way that it's like, uh, a very stacked cast of like, some of them might be like, I would say overqualified for the parts they're in like, um, C. Buscemi, who's in both Armageddon and Con Air. <laughs> um, uh, John Malkovich, obviously John Cusack is like almost kind of seems like a scratch your head type choice at first, but I think, for the role that he's playing it fits it's like it, these movies are able to get like all these talented people some of them who may not who you may think are like above air quotes uh, <laughs> a big action movie but um somehow it works I, you know it's like uh it's weird and yeah i mean again like armageddon this movie kind of dumb but I, <laughs> but i uh i kind of love it also um because yeah i mean a lot of things don't make sense like um I don't know. He, you know, John Cusack makes a big deal about uh, them not having any weapons on board the plane, and I'm like, does that seem like a, just like a good idea? Um, or bringing weapons, and I'm like, I don't know. But then, the, then they have a whole thing about there's like a weapons um, uh, cache hidden somewhere else in the plane. Did I yes, okay. They they do find they do find that, but it's. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't really be shooting things. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be shooting bullets on a well, plane anyway. That's true. You shouldn't be shooting things on a plane. <laughs> it's, uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. But then... it's, mm, it's, it's very kind of thing because everything is built up to a major, major point. Because either it's going to become important in the movie and they're letting you know, or that's just the style of the movie where everything's just a major deal. Yeah, I mean, and then it's, uh, um, yeah, what was I going to say? Uh, <laughs> the whole thing about transporting so many of these guys uh at once also just seems like such a bad idea (laughs) like even if you think you've got it like uh, you know under lock and key and they had all kind of not all of them most of them had like communicated a plan like i was surprised they were able to pull that off different prisons (laughs) i got questions about that but then again i also don't have questions because i don't care because it's a fun action movie but i was like this is true how do you pull that off and then the John Cusack goes to his cell. I was kind of forget about that part when um, John Cusack goes to Malkovich's cell and he finds that little coded 
thing and figures it out like really quickly. Because <laughs> like... that scene goes for a long time because everyone's just like going, I'm just going to poke this. Like, don't be poking anything. I know <laughs> what movie you, you don't know what movie you're in, but I know what movie you're I, in. Yeah. This is not a good idea. Gets them blown up. John Cusack almost gets blown up. Yeah, like I almost that little detour always kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot we do this little thing. And uh, um... yeah, and then yes, Cusack figures it out in like two seconds where the You've right. literally watched a five-minute scene of cops poking around, and it's, it's like, oh, I gotta love this movie That's so much. How much smarter he is than everybody else, apparently. Exactly. Uh, he figures it out so quick. Um, he's the smart one of the crew. <laughs> so, um, and still gets to do some action stuff later on, but uh, gets to ride that cool cop motorcycle with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so. And you don't usually see him be that bigger action. I mean, um, Nick Cage had already done The Rock. So, yeah, we see him do this kind of action, and we kind of know where his career goes, but... Yeah, even Nicolas Cage is overqualified for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he already won his Oscar by this point. I, I find he it so did. funny. He wins that Oscar and then makes this, like, little um, unconnected trilogy of, like, Nick Cage action star. But uh, the uh, the Rock and Face Off and this, like, within, like, a year. I mean, a Face Off and Con Air within the same month and Rock's the year before. It's, yeah. So it's just an interesting choice too because like you watch all his like his earlier stuff most of the time not coming up you know not coming off as an action guy and then he's in like three of the biggest action movies of the decade um it's kind yeah, of it's, incredible it's, it's him and keanu reeves that you think about really for 90s yeah. action um which is such a departure from what it was previous um because i before, um i've done in actually this episode anyway in the future sometime i will be doing an episode on um time cop oh, and we okay. talk about that about how van damme did just not fit in the 90s in this kind of respect of being the everyman because jingle van damme is not an everyman he is this weird belgium split creature um and it, even though time cop was huge he never quite captured i don't think he like 90s he ever had a big hit is like that again um because you went to keanu reeves and nick cage and nick cage only made three and he was kind of like well actually keanu reeves only made a couple but those couple movies kind of define what we think of late 90s action and it's kind of fascinating that it's those two guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah guys who are not because i think action people think of first schwarzenegger stallone van damme yes um even steven seagal kind of you know yes. it's like i know he's turned to a disaster but um but then it's like if you think about it for a second you're like well, well keanu reeves and nicholas cage i don't think it was like action stars but they were in some of the biggest action movies of all time i think i'm sure mike's talked about this uh many times Ex on extensively show. probably yes. uh, yeah extensively but uh, and i know it's not before but it's like they're just you still don't think they don't many other things too it's like um it, it's funny you bring up van damme as like the every man because yeah, I don't even I love sudden death and he kind of plays like an every man in that. He's just like, I'm a dad. I'm a But you're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, Arnold might be the most like ridiculous. He tries to play like an every man. It's like you can't you don't you don't. That's like you don't walk around as like a normal guy if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger and just, you know, with the accent and he's a giant man. And it's like um so Van Damme a little bit more normal than him, but still, yeah, not like a super an every day kind of guy. <laughs> 
Arnold Schwarzenegger feels like he's in on the joke about that, though. Yeah, I mean, that's um, the, yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, he knows he's not an everyman. We know he's not an everyman, but yeah, we're watching through lies. Like, the absurdity of himself. He's like an he's like a once in a lifetime character, you know. And he kind of realizes, like, yeah, I'm kind of one of a kind. Like, I can't just go and like, <laughs> you know, he would be. Really... I think. Yeah. Because I think in yeah, sudden death, he Van Damme is actually trying to play an everyman, and he can't do it. And I'm saying this as someone who loves sudden death because sudden death is this type of action movie which i love it's completely ridiculous it makes no sense <laughs> the fact that powers booth is holding the vice president hostage because he wants his money back really wants <laughs> his money back yeah yeah when okay. you know that the president is just sitting there going fuck it it's the vice president who cares um it's shoot him uh, <laughs> <laughs> who cares and I'm actually kind of surprised that um, Powell's Booth didn't shoot the six-year-old because he was shooting everyone else. I mean, he was loving yeah. it. But it's, <laughs> but Van Damme is, I'm watching him going, you're not an everyman fireman, dude. You are Jean-Claude Van Damme. Do the splits or something. But at the same time, <laughs> we get the most amazing fight with him in the mascot. I'm like going, and it's really violent. Like, this movie is so violent. But it works because it doesn't work. And I think Con Air does the same thing. Con Air should not work as a movie. But because Brockheimer, who I still assume is on cocaine somewhere, um, maybe he can't do it anymore. Well, he's, he was so, the one, I, I will, I, a lot of Tony Scott, there's a lot of stuff You know Simpson. more about him, yeah. Don Simpson was the one that was the real, like, partier cocaine guy. And um, and Brockheimer, I think, was the... Uh, the much more um, level-headed, straight-living type one. Yeah, from what I read, I'm not sure. I'm not saying he never did it, but like I gotta put that on. Don Simpson was the guy that was like the typical Hollywood producer who was like doing all that stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just uh, <laughs> had to call him out on that one. I gotta defend Bruckheimer a little bit, but uh, but as far as I know, maybe he was doing that stuff. But as far as I read, he was like the straight and narrow one who was like. You know, and to keep the finances together, what Don Simpson just yeah. been lived to party it up. All right, okay, that makes sense because this is still a Simpson and Brockheimer movie. This is before Don Simpson passed away. No, this is actually the this is actually the first one after Don Simpson. Passed oh, because yeah. this does feel like there is some like heightened edge to it, but that's just because the style that they knew worked. Okay, that mm. makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> still feels like it's on cocaine. But <laughs> the movie feels not. like it's on cocaine. I'm with you on that. Like it moves at a That is clip. steroids. <laughs> a, a steroids and cocaine. It's on a it's a very uh big blend of those two things. It definitely feels like that. Um except I Nicolas Cage in this movie, we can talk about him for a minute. Like mm. he I do love that he's not like your typical doesn't feel like he's on steroids <laughs> type. And no. he doesn't feel like he he feels still vulnerable, even though he's like an army ranger who's like a badass. Um um he he does he does have some kind of like insane moments um i guess he feels vulnerable too because you he, he has something to lose you know it's like and he cares about people so he kind of keeps getting stuck in a situation when he could leave multiple times but he chooses to stay and it's like that's like it's like the old cliche about like villains are always like oh this is your weak spot you're the good guy so you have to like you know you'll give yourself up to defend people and things like that but um like uh the okay sorry i'm all over the place nicholas cage has one of my favorite moments in a movie ever in, in con air when his friend baby o has been shot and he's laying on the ground and uh it's all very kind of dramatic and it's like uh oh no and, and, and his friend is telling nick cage he's like 
he's like, man, I don't, I don't even think God exists. And Nick Cage, Nick Cage says, I'm going to show you that God exists and gets up to a guitar sting, like an amazing, like, wham, wham, <laughs> turns around and then like walks and starts kicking everybody's ass. He gets shot in the arm. Does he not, does and doesn't, doesn't flinch. Doesn't flinch at all. Yeah. Doesn't flinch and then punches a guy in the face. Like that whole moment i'm like yes pure cinema like when he just the whole i'm gonna show you got exists and then like kicks a man in the face it's like yes nick cage go for it like i love that moment so so much and it's so ridiculous but oh man it's like it's so great no he's a great character in the sense that all he wants to do is get back to his daughter who he has never seen and give her that ridiculous bunny that's all he wants. Yeah, that's, that's all he, it's very simple. Like it's, it's very simple. He yeah. wants to go home, um, which is kind of always a great hero arc. And I love the thing when he's talking to I think um, uh, Kusek's character for the first time, and he sort of says, "Oh, you've talked to my wife. Tell her I can't leave a man behind. She'll understand." Um, and it's that sort of speaks to his character that he's not going to leave um, baby O and Rachel Ticketon alone on that plane with everyone else because mm -hmm. they are not going to make it. Um, because as soon as, if he even does get insulin, he's going to get shot. So he's, and then, but Nick Cage is the ultimate hero. He will do everything he can not to leave men behind, but to get home. And that's kind of speaks to, I guess, the soldier of, of him. Cause everyone else, he has, everyone in this movie has ethics, but Cameron Poe, has the most pure ethics. I mean, the fact that he says, I will prove you that God exists by <laughs> kicking everyone else in the face. It's, it's literally, um, I will show you because I have the vengeance of God and I'm about to kick everyone else on the arse on this plane and literally just take the plane over. Time he gets into that cockpit, that pilot's like, whatever, man, I'm cool, done, whatever you want. I'm yeah. just chill. He is very chill, that character. And, is, yeah. But you're right, he is... He is everything that is good. Every time he kills someone, it is because someone is blatantly keeping him away from his daughter because he did not put the bunny back in the box because that was <laughs> not his gift to be messing with. Um, uh -huh. And, yeah, you're right. He is the ultimate good guy in the plane of the ultimate bad guys. And you root for him every single moment. I mean, the, fact, the look he gives when he steps off the plane of the bus and the, the the wind is in his not quite not yet a mullet. Um, <laughs> his, his beautiful hair, yeah. <laughs> his beautiful hair is pure cinema because he gives. Nick Cage has this. Yes, everyone says that he overacts, and I have been in a crowded theater watching Mandy, and as soon as he starts screaming after the vodka scene, he's downing the vodka in his like weird underwear, and like tiger baseball shirt. <laughs> the crowd went nuts because oh cage is raging and everyone thinks he overacts but i think what this real good talent is he knows he knows just the amount of over the top to go to convey a character it's never oh he's just let's go nuts it's a i know how much to push this to make this actually work as cinema because he knows that he's acting he knows he's um performing to the cheap seats almost um and he can go subtle i mean this is a man who doesn't always have to do it but he knows the exact pitch to do it at um and it's incredible to watch because that's why yeah i think everyone in this cast is overqualified 
which I think is a smart move because they are making this dialogue, they are making these plot points work. You don't care. We're just watching everything going, this is amazing. And if they had any kind of lesser performers, it would just fall away like dust. And you just remember as this like daft movie from the 90s about a plane, but now you go Con Air and everyone's like, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because uh, I know the one thing my mom always remembers besides the song is like, uh, she's still, if I bring up Con Air, she's like, oh yeah, put the bunny back in the box. Like that's like- <laughs> That gets quoted daily in our house. Put it's the bunny back in the box. Yeah. Great. It's a great line. Like the man is, he has simple wants and needs. He's like, why don't you wife and daughter? Don't fuck with that bunny. It's like, just leave the bunny alone. Um, Nick Cage actually has to play it. If I'm remembering this right, like, I don't think he has any like real crazy cage outbursts. And he's, he keeps it, he plays it pretty low key because he has to kind of keep a low profile amongst these guys for a long time because he doesn't want to be found out that, you know, that he's just, he's on he's basically free and trying to get home because that'll look really bad so he's got to play it kind of like low-key and then also play them against each other a little bit to try to kind of keep things oh, going so he's he's it's not it's not like really like it's definitely not over the top cage it's kind of this different uh cooler yeah, cool not cooler in a way of like being cool but like just kind of uh what's the word um low key he, i would say yeah <laughs> he's low key but he knows how much paprika to put on it yeah. Um, I'm yeah, stealing yeah. A, a, a blank check um, oh, phrase because <laughs> um, I was watching I, I also I didn't want to bring it up because I'm just like just forcing you to freaking watch Bridge of Spies but um, <laughs> Steven Spielberg loves to put a touch too much paprika on the end and the beginning the end the ending and the beginning of all his movies that's just a thing he does now so you just have to kind of like okay I'm getting another like 15 minutes when I didn't need that 15 minutes but yeah it's, it's paprika but um, Nick Cage really knows how much to add of the paprika when he's doing a low-key performance so you don't stop watching him. He's still got that weird southern accent. He's got <laughs> that hair. He knows certain facial expressions. He knows when to camp it up a little bit um, and when to kind of pull back, um, when to get serious. I don't know. He's just such a phenomenal actor that you're just watching him going, how are you walking this tightrope? You know exactly which levers to push i guess yeah and and doing doing that really well and doing a really good job with all the physicality i feel like because i feel like yes more than even like well the rock he's supposed to be kind of a nerd and then face off it's like i don't feel like you see him he's in suits a lot and things like that. but this time i feel like he's like he's clearly working out a lot and they even said behind the scenes like that the like between takes and setups he's like still working out like to to you know look like he's in really good shape and it's he's not like some arnold muscular guy but he's like in good shape clearly and um yeah this like is very good the physical stuff like it's like believable like got some great kicks i, I don't know if it was him doing all his kicks but they look great if it's him doing them. <laughs> it was at least him doing some of the punches i think um yeah. <laughs> he it's no he it is good and this is well edited so you don't notice who's doing the stunts and who's exactly, not yeah. except for when you see a dummy of john malkovich flying over a a thing and landing on another thing at Kevay about to get his head squashed. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that's such a crazy best bad death guy. In a, deaths, <laughs> deaths, multiple. Um, multiple. Yeah, what a crazy bad guy! Don't like they really, really kill him. <laughs> like, I know because they keep talking about a um friggin' um uh, Connie too, and it's just like, okay, you're still gonna have to have another bad guy because um the cage pretty much killed everyone. Um, and it's gonna be like. Yeah, he's not getting on a plane after this. I'm sorry, Nick Cage is driving <laughs> everywhere. 
He's like, everywhere drives he's telling the family like we don't fly we only drive <laughs> we don't we don't fly we only drive there is no way that man is ever getting yeah. on a plane again <laughs> I, I was gonna attempt his accent but i won't even attempt his southern accent either because i can't it's it's understated it's interesting um i uh at the same time not i mean yeah, <laughs> when i mean there's this way when he's like school is important i can't i'm not doing it sorry because i yeah. my voice but there's a few words he says um forever yeah. and ever and i'm like that is a ridiculous accent. It's, but a little, it's, it's a little Forrest Gump, isn't it? And I think it is. If maybe he went to Alabama, is... Forrest Gump thinks that's in Alabama. So maybe it's like an Alabama thing. I don't know. I'm not that far south in the United People States. People from Alabama, is that the actual Alabama accent? Because <laughs> I don't believe it is, but I have never been to your state. So I, I can't. So, yeah. So I can't say if that is actually what you all sound like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please know. let me know. It's, I it's would just, love to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, oh, we brought up the songs earlier. You asked kind of about the controversy of the songs. I read about yes. this. I might as well tell everyone. I don't this know. Was, I remember this being on like every, because I was a teenager, so I was watching all the TMZs. Oh, yeah. And this was a big deal. And I think, I can't remember which, and they were both nominated for the same Grammy for the same song. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. It's so weird. Oh, it, 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 it was a thing. It was huge. The, it was Liam Rhymes and someone else. Trisha Yearwood was the other one. Trisha Yearwood, yeah. So this was bizarre because I, this, like I said earlier, I don't know if anyone else cares about this, but we're interested. So, I mean, this was a big song from this movie. It had a big, I also miss movies having like big songs, like stand out, like they made a song for the movie and, you know, they kind of hit. Um, I loved it so like, much. My heart will go on from Titanic, you know. Uh, so um, I miss it. I miss it the, so much. The big love theme to Con Air is um, "How Do I Live Without You" mm. um, by both Leanne Rhymes and Trisha Yearwood. And when I was younger, there was controversy uh, amongst in my household because uh, me, my mom, my sister, uh, my mom loved the song, but only really loved the Trisha Yearwood version, and we thought the Leanne Rhymes. Uh, what thing was a cover of the Trisha Yearwood version, but no, we had it backwards. So this is very mm. weird. The woman that wrote "How Do I Live Without You," um, and for the movie, she wrote the song for the movie, but she wanted Leanne Rhymes to sing it. And like either the record company or the producers of the movie didn't like Leanne Rhymes' version. They thought it was too a little too mainstream pop, and she was 14 when she sang it. So they thought she was like too young and didn't like her yeah. voice. And, and they thought like, what are you talking about? I can't, how do I live without you? You're 14. So they wanted, they wanted. She was like, young when she started. People forget that she was yeah, a baby. Super, super yeah. young. And she, uh, so they said, we don't like her version for the movie. We want like a little bit more country music type version. So they got Trisha who was older and had more of a country voice. And, and like, we liked her version better, which is funny because I don't like country music, but uh, it's like the Leanne Rhymes version did a thing too we hated. And it was weird because they, they so, okay, I, I kind of messed my own story up. So the Leanne Rhymes version existed. They made the Trisha Yearwood version. They both existed at the same time. And they both released the radios on uh, radio stations on the same day. And yeah. so they both would, like, play on the radio at the same time. Like, and we'd have to go, wait, which version is playing right now? Is it Trisha Yearwood? Is it Leanne Rhymes? And we all hated the Leanne Rhymes version in my house because the way she sang, how do I live without you, sounded like, how do I leave without you? <laughs> and we hate it. We're like, how do I leave? And we're like, we hate it. We don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were all on team Trisha Yearwood. And for years, I thought she was doing the original, but technically she was doing the cover, even though they came out at the same time. It was a very bizarre. When I was realizing, this is a really weird way to do this. Like, this is very strange, <laughs> like to release the same song by two different artists at the exact same time and just have them both going is like, 
unheard of i'm pretty sure <laughs> so. no it is i don't know if they were both nominated for the grammy i think one of them was i cannot remember who it was I was trying to look it up oh i didn't um, see that either yeah i don't know yeah um, i don't know something but it was a big deal like i remember the rhymes version coming out before i saw Kanye. um even though it had nothing to do with the movie i thought it did it was like um when i always thought that um the song amadeus had something to do with the movie amadeus <laughs> they don't oh, yeah. <laughs> when i finally watched amadeus there was no song Amadeus Amadeus and I was very disappointed but um so I'm listening to this this is getting uh, the Leanne Rhymes was getting top 40 all over the place this is the version I knew so then I went and saw Con Air and it's not I'm like what the hell is this there was this country like <laughs> I was god uh 16 17 when this movie came out so I was not into country at all and um but then I remember it being all over TMZ. They were trying to build like this big rivalry. Who has the best version? It was, I don't know if it was TMZ, but it was something that very similar, like E Entertainment or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. One um, of those, their shows, one of those yeah. things. And they were making a huge deal out of it. And it was such a weird thing. And I didn't remember all that until I was watching it again. And that song started playing. I'm like, oh yeah, didn't Leanne Rhymes have like the exact same song? And yeah, it was because um, they didn't want a fourteen-year-old singing the love ballad on this movie. Um, <laughs> Very weird. Yeah, it's a, just a weird. I mean, ninety-seven was a weird time for everyone. I've been watching a lot of documentaries about how bad the nineties were, and I'm like, going, I like the nineties. I grew up in it. It's my decade. But yeah, it was, it was weird. It was a weird, <laughs> weird time. Kids don't know. I mean, yes, the internet was just starting. We had our main source of entertainment was E Entertainment and MTV, which still played music videos. Every movie had a music video. It was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Britney Spears was just was um, not a woman yet. Uh, not a girl, but not yet a woman um, or not quite a mullet. Um, <laughs> people don't know, I think. There's a lot of now 90s nostalgia and a lot of 90s really, but at the same time I'm like, no, you had to live in it to really realize how weird this decade was. And I think that whole song thing is just like the perfect kind of, yes, this is how weird the 90s actually were. <laughs> well, I don't know how it was, you know, over, because um, you grew up in New Zealand, right? Mm. Not in Yes. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, probably very different over there versus America, but I was just talking to someone the other day about like, and again, I, I had, think I have rose-colored glasses on for the 90s because I was a child through all of it. You know, I was um, from from the whole decade. I was uh, I would have been like three to 13, you know, so um, yeah. I it was, you know, I didn't have anything to worry about, really. <laughs> so um, but uh, I was telling somebody I felt like we just worried about very different things in the 90s, like all the major news stories I felt like were more like fun or to us. It was like it was like not fun, but like weirdly like entertaining things we could all get in on like oh the bill clinton monica winsky scandal that's about to bring that up yeah um, we were worried about the fact that the united a president in a different country was getting a blowjob in the white house that was right right it's yeah like, that it seems almost like quaint and harmless today it's like you know who cares if we lied about getting a blowjob like we have so much, we our worries got so much worse after the 90s i felt like we were all obsessed with like these like true crime cases or like the nancy kerrigan thing was a huge deal and it's like now it's like, wouldn't it be nice to go back to worrying about that kind of stuff? And now all we worry about is like, you know, people nuking each other or the the economy crashing or the the all this horrible stuff. Like we had these very fluffy 
kind of um, entertainment type cases and that was like the I, I remember that being like the focus of a lot of things and um, oh, it was oh to go back to oj and the menendez brothers right. i mean even <laughs> right. though i think oj has a lot more interesting i mean oj first when the american oj whatever that documentary is watch it because it's so fascinating but you're right i think we could easily ignore racism especially if you were white and privileged I put my hand up for that because I was I was a teenager. I was eighteen in ninety nine, nine. So I experienced every kind of thing. I mean, we had the best music and the worst music in the night, which is like every single decade. But it feels incredibly polarizing from the Backstreet Boys to friggin' the Beastie Boys. Um, it was movies like Con Air, but at the same time, later on, would get The Matrix. It was. We didn't have to worry. Apparently, racism was over. We just decided as like a community, except for the communities that actually were suffering it. We just didn't want it. We didn't have to think about it. Um, and it was so we could just worry about who was having sex in the White House or um, the glove not fitting on OJ and these kind of New Zealand was getting all that stuff. I do remember the um, the Bronco being um i wasn't live but i remember that being on the news and just hey this is happening <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah yeah i mean also maybe I, who knows because i was a kid too so i'm like was the media just focused on the wrong things and we're burying like actual stories i don't know <laughs> probably know, like, that a lot but probably that a lot too yeah you're, you might have a point there um i don't know i was talking to somebody today about how i was mad that the oj chase ruined my birthday because <laughs> <laughs> it happened like the day before my birthday. I looked it up and uh, I remember being pissed because we were trying to watch like um, our Friday night shows like TGIF, they call it you know, like the little block of like Full House and Family Matters. And they yeah. preempted everything. You couldn't watch anything on TV except for the OJ um, chase. And I was like, who cares? I was a little kid. Like, who cares about the stupid chase? And I was so pissed. Like, it's my birthday. <laughs> It's a white car driving down the road. I, I wonder it's my birthday. At all. I didn't know who OJ Simpson was. I was like, what's going on? Why are we so focused on this? And like they wouldn't get off it for hours, but um and every channel I go to is this. <laughs> so um God, it was a weird time. But um you know, for movies, it really it's one of my favorite decades. It's funny too, I meant to mention this the whole time and I almost forgot. Um, I don't know what this has not been planned, but um for some reason uh, I, I should just rename this podcast like 90s Feast because we've done so many 90s movies. Oh, you have? Yeah. There was a streak uh, a few weeks back where I, it finally ended, but it was like it was like almost two months in a row of just 90s movies. And I didn't realize it was happening until like the end of the streak. And uh, I was like, man, I am really on some 90s movies right now. Like, um and I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's the era I grew up in and I'm very fond of. And like, um, those are the movies I gravitate toward. But like, it's been completely unintentional, but it's like, there's been so many. I haven't like gone back and counted, but Jesus Christ, we did a lot of 90s movies there for a while. So, um, and we'll continue to do more. We're doing one right now. So it'll keep, and uh, it back. I'm doing one with Daniel next week, another 90s movie. Um, so it's going to keep, it's going to keep going, I guess, for a while. So the um, 90s, movie does fit your um does feed film feast a lot even though i think you can branch out and do other things like because i think there's a sweet spot in the mid-2000s which i think is very film feast as well oh, which we yeah. get to like 2004 yeah. 2006 um and mark warner suddenly pricked up his ears going i will be on those shows um 
that's that's the Mark Warner era. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's the Mark Warner era. Just that sweet spot in the two thousands. Um, everything everyone thought movies were shit except for Mark Warner, and Mark Warner was right. I used there's some real gems. Um, but it's I think it does because there's this kind of certain oh, I don't even know how to explain it. It was when the mid level blockbuster was at its most perfect we kind of got there in the 80s and we're just doing some really cool stuff but it wasn't the 90s when they really perfected it just before um ips kind of really started taking over there was quite a bit of it in the 90s i mean there, it was there but there was just this kind of thing of oh we know how to make a really good 80 million dollar movie um and we can do a lot with that money now you can't make Con Air for 80 million. You have to make it for 200 million. And it's, and because of that, it's going to lose something. But yeah, it's, it's just a decade of really solid movies. And I don't know how else to say it. Um, yeah, it's just solid, like solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, something about that, that time period that is, is special. I was trying to think about it before we started recording. I'm like, it could have been a little bit of like, American filmmakers being influenced by Hong Kong stuff too. I mean, John Wookie yes. over here. Um, That's a big part of it. Yeah. It looks like there's a big part of it. I mean, he's come over here and working and there's other Hong Kong filmmakers working in the nineties too. Um, and I think that's part of it. And just where the budgets were at and what they were making. And it's like, they were making money. So it was, you know, most of these things were making money. So it's like, let's keep making these big action movies because they do well. Um, and people want to go, my mom was going to see them on like date nights, you know, it's like, I don't think those are necessarily date night type movies, but um, they're making kinds of money because everyone was going to see them. They're like for adults, most of them are rated R, um, you know, it's just a different thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was a, it's the, the right mix of stuff going on there. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we definitely got away from it. Even into the 2000s, it definitely started to go away quite a bit. So, yeah. It did, um, just because I think the budgets changed and you couldn't do exactly those things in the 90s and now people are going to date nights and kids are convincing their dads to go see The Northman, <laughs> which is not this at all. This is something very, very different. And I know we keep saying The Northman's not doing that well. Um, I wonder, are you talking about the domestic or are you talking about international for The Northman? Uh, I... I might just be talking domestic. I don't know what it was doing international. Uh, I mean, it costs so. That's the problem, though, with these movies. It's like if they cost so much to make, but it's, they, it's like yeah, yeah. They have to, and I think even though I saw the Northman maybe only technically cost sixty to eighty million. It would have to wait, make you know, way more than that for marketing and stuff like that. So it's not even like it has to make that back. It's got to make that back and way more to you know make it profitable, which is the frustrating part about you know these movies now <laughs> so they have to make so much money it's just it's tough it it really is it's it is really really tough um yeah because it does hasn't i don't think even internationally it is but i think you're right i think it's gonna be a cult movie but that's kind of the one that a 10 year old convinced his dad can we see the northman um because <laughs> was it you who said that you had a t like a dad go do not tell your mother about this movie oh yeah yeah that else? was the yeah it was yeah it was you he was like don't say mom because it's the funny thing too about northman was like um so it's it's very violent uh and it, very weird and um there was a bit of sexual stuff um a little bit of nudity not much and like mm. but i felt like i literally the only people i saw walk out i think i saw i think i might have said there was no walkouts but i think i saw i never saw they came back i think i saw a dad and a son walk out 
right after Anya Taylor Joy, I think it was her. There, you basically see like um, a woman. How do I describe this? A woman has to pull up her dress and kind of show her vagina, but it's not like super. It's not like right in your face. It's like from a distance even. And mm. she's basically ch- showing a guy like, look, you know, don't uh, don't rape me. I'm on my period. Basically, it's kind of like a lot for a little kid to take. I would think. And I, I feel like at that moment, I saw a dad and a son leave, and they may have came back. But I think they might have just left. And I thought it was again. It's this thing about like. I will let you see violence all day long. The minute sexuality comes into it, it's like, it's like we're out. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so and interesting. Full Frontal yeah. is coming back, which I kind of like. I think, yes, bring Full Frontal nudity, man and woman, back to um, back to the theatrical experience. I think there, there is a sign I think it's coming back. But um, no, in Australia, there'll be more walkouts over um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Because I think people just got to the butt plug scene and just went <laughs> no <laughs> somebody walked out of the, uh, my screening the first time on that too like the minute they yeah. did this joke about the butt plug thing somebody was like this old man i felt like he just stomped out angry i'm like oh that's where you draw the line okay uh it's just okay. so weird yeah it's I, so weird but apparently there have been a few walkouts of people just oh i like michelle yo i saw her in um um asian my big fat asian no my crazy rich asian <laughs> crazy rich asians um, I like her, let's see this. And then they get butt plugs. Um, <laughs> but I was in the right theater because I knew I was in the right screening for that because as soon as James Hong comes on screen, people laughed in that kind of, oh, I know who you are thing. You're yeah. James Hong. Yeah. I went, okay, I'm in the right, I'm in the right theater for this. This is a good group of people. If they know who James Hong is, I think I'm going to be okay. Even if it took me half of the movie to realize that it was short rounds. Um, it was like, shit, is that short round? But yeah, it's kind of that kind of thing. And I think movies have changed in that respect of, because Con Air is not, Con Air is for everyone. Yes, it is violent. I think it is an R-rated movie. Yeah. Because oh, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a, a lot, lot of language too. <laughs> a lot of language. I think it's probably more for the language than the violence. Um, but it's, it's, you still can take a child to go see this, even though they say fuck every five minutes. Um, but it's not, a very it's not a specific movie and i think we're getting a lot more specific movies which i'm as i said i just spent five minutes ranting about how much i'm looking forward to men because you cannot more get more specific than that um <laughs> yeah that's gonna be weird um uh, I, I mean con air they put the whole love story that's what my mom was like yeah you know, kind of getting into was like oh it's a guy trying to get back to his wife and his daughter and he loves them like that's easy to latch on to even if like, it is she probably care less about all the action stuff in between because my mom's like very big on like oh i don't like seeing she doesn't like seeing guns in a movie <laughs> let alone people using them and fighting and killing each other but um she was invested for the for him trying to get back to his wife and daughter so it's it does have like a little something for every it's like it's a crowd pleaser i feel like it I is mean, yeah and even I think though that is what, i think yeah. that's what i was trying to say um and then went on a weird going back to men and Northman. <laughs> i haven't even seen these movies by the yeah. way so i don't know what i'm talking about um but I think I was just trying to say, Con Air is a crowd pleaser. It is a movie that gives you everything for everyone, but it is still a, actually, how much did they make to make, I should actually look at the budget for this. Um, oh, I looked, um, it costs a lot. It costs $75 million, which is a lot in 97 money. Um, yes. It's a lot now. I mean, it's not, well, look know, at the Northman, yes. <laughs> but every, it seems like every dollar of that $75 million is on the screen. I actually thought it might have been more than $75 million. Um, yeah, that's what I was just sort of wondering because it it looks like a very expensive movie, and it made two hundred twenty four million dollars worldwide. 
So yeah. I guess if you think about a lot of it is on a plane, which probably helps the cost, but I feel like they spend all that money for the stuff in Vegas and um, the weird the boneyard. boneyard. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a weird sequence. Like we, we talked about it a little bit, but um, like, it's like a little bit of a weird flavor. I kind of like too, with like the, the thing with Steve Buscemi and the little girl who it's like, I was thinking, well, who's taking care of you little girl? Why do you live in this deserted town? <laughs> And, and your dress is filthy. I mean, this yeah. is not. Are you okay? It's a weird. Are you okay? <laughs> are you in danger? And now you're with Steve Buscemi, and they give you that little kind of hint. It's like a broken teacup. And you're like, oh my god, mm. the murderer. And then, well, that, you're very relieved when you see her wave goodbye to the plane, and you're like, okay, she's okay. So, um, but just a weird little side beat like that that I kind of appreciate. They even took the time to put in because it's this weird little extra thing they didn't even need to do but it's just memorable little bit yeah well yeah because there's a lot of side plots in this movie because as we said john cusack gets his own movie within this movie <laughs> yeah uh, um it's um i mean everyone kind of has their own agenda i mean even steve Pashimi has his own little weird side thing going on and the fact that he doesn't kill the little girl i think that's kind of why you're happy to see him out in, about in vegas it's just like yeah he might kill someone but he's a nice guy. Um, maybe he's not as bad as we thought he was. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he deserves maybe a night he was on just, the town. He deserves a night on the town. I mean, let him have that. Um, mm. With the Cyrus the Virus, you're like, no, squash that man. Squash that man right <laughs> now. And even, even Ving Rhames is the worst in this movie, even though he's a lot of fun to watch. Everyone's fun to watch in this movie. But, yeah, it's it's got a little piece of it for everyone. And, and I, I don't even think the... Okay, I say this because I'm going to go see... Actually, I'm going to go see Doctor Strange tomorrow, so I'm going to decide I'm well enough to go see Doctor Strange, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> funny, how, funny how that happens, but it's... Um, even that, I don't think... Because the Marvel is such a convoluted thing where you have to know each piece, it's not for everyone anymore. It's for a lot of people because these make millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, billions of dollars are worldwide, in fact, but they are movies aren't for everyone anymore. I think that's my gripe. I right, kind of want right. the mid-budget action thriller solid. Doesn't have to be too artistic because I still get those because you got those in the nineties and you will always get them. But I'm just kind of missing that. Oh, I could show this to anyone and I wouldn't get a. Why the hell did you make me watch that? And I don't know if there's even a movie like that that movies like that get made anymore. They're always going for those niche markets. Yeah, even Marvel, and, even if they make a billion dollars. <laughs> and everybody learned, I was reading an article about how everyone learned the wrong lessons from Avengers because Avengers is like 10 years old now officially. Um, oh, like God, yeah, it is. And how mm. everybody took the wrong lessons from that movie and tried to build universes. Everybody had to um, get a team together or build to, to you know, uh and it just it, it it just all kind of went sideways and it i think really that, i i think we're getting a little bit away from it now because i think a lot of people figured out like it's such a simple concept we should just make good movies first and then if we happen to like team them up then it'll you know it'll work out but like dc is getting away from like they're kind of doing separate projects now that aren't all connected um mm. they, they kind of blew up that dark universe thing and have kind of started from scratch um, with kind of just everyone doing their own kind of universal, mo new universal monster movies. Is what no, I think seriously, let Karen yeah. Kusama make her Dracula, please. Oh. That's all I want. 
Yeah. Just because was... Morbius does not do well does not mean it was the vampire. Speaking of people <laughs> learning the wrong lessons. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they just talked about that on Cobweb, Satan and Daniel. Oh, and, they did uh, too. Yes, probably. Yeah. I yeah. That, that was that was not. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. That was not the vampire's fault. That was purely Morbius's fault. Yeah, and then I was telling Hayden, I was like, he. Did, I don't think he wanted the modern Dracula, Karen Kusama thing. And I'm like, I he know, didn't. Yeah. But it's another Dracula movie. Don't we just see more of those? Like, I mean, we're we're in a sea of. I mean, I don't think he's even the biggest superhero guy. So it's like you're in a sea of superhero movies, and it's like, do you want any less Dracula? Because I'll take more. I don't want less Dracula. I want more Dracula. <laughs> I want more Dracula. That's so what I want. I, I just sad. don't want more Morbius. I, I, I want think... more Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope we're kind of turning the corner and people have it's such a stupid thing to get back to because it's such a simple concept but like just make a good movie first and then go from there but like they've really lost sight of that for a while i think um after avengers everyone's like oh my god we have to go build our universes because this is like the end game for um not make a pun but like this is the this is the 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 end of everything we have to like make team up movies for everybody um exactly yeah shared universes like just make a good movie and then if you happened to i mean the old 30 40s universal monster movies had team ups and that's okay i mean but i don't think that was like their original goal was like we're gonna team these guys up in five years like they just kind of did it so so they just did it because they realized that people like these characters they were just like yeah we'll put frankenstein and wolfman in a movie together yeah um something more pure I mean, than it was... planning it out for 10 years you know it's exactly like, i feel like we've been recording that wrong but i think it's been over two hours so i don't know do you have anything else you like really want to say about con air before i wrap us up or <laughs> No, um, that's yeah. I've been drinking so much water that I'm just like going, "Come on, voice." Um, no, um, I no, I don't, I don't. I think I'm just going to go into more tangents that have nothing to do with Kanye. Um, but no, I think it is just one of those gems of a '90s action movie that I think that you can just sit down and enjoy whatever time or you're doing. It's just. It's, it is the quintessential 90s action movie. And I know there's about six others you could say that as well. Speed, Matrix, um, uh, Face Off. But it's kind of kind of here for me. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely up there. It's always in the conversation. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I think we made that clear. If anything else, we, we, yes. we love this movie. And uh, Nick Cage is great in it. John Malkovich. Um, all, it, really, I... I mean, I can't think of anybody where I'm like, oh, they're terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I think they all play pretty well together, honestly, even though it was a giant pissing contest behind the scene. Um, I felt like uh, it all worked out for the for the movie. <laughs> no, I think it did. I think that whole pissing contest actually really added to what the movie was doing. So Yeah. Yeah. So Con Air is awesome, as we <laughs> have decided. <laughs> um and uh i had fun talking uh about it with you so thank you again for me doing too with your with your voice it, i think it, it held up for the most part so. it did there's a few moments where i was like oh no but no i think it did i think it did hold up i'm getting better which is <laughs> that's good. good that's good um so yeah thank you so much for doing is this, this. blue sucked no, no i don't recommend it don't get the I flu mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah I, I don't want it uh i just had like a cold i think a few months ago and like i hadn't had a cold in like two years because of covid you know because i had been not at the office when I go out I mass. So I hadn't got sick at all, really. Mm. Um, and then uh, I got like a cold and I was like, this cold kicked my ass. I was like, oh no. It's, so, it's surprising uh, how it does when you haven't been sick for that long well, and you yeah. get sick and you're like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this doing? Yeah, I did not care for it. So I don't want the flu anytime soon either, but um, it's about to be summer here. So I hope I don't get uh, anything anytime soon. I had one, I had a summer cold once in my life and it was one of the worst 
colds I've ever had. So I definitely don't want anything anytime soon. Summer colds are the worst because you're oh. hot and all you want to do is snuggle and you can't. I know. I hate summer Terrible. colds. Mm. <laughs> the worst. So, well, I hope you feel all better soon. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much for, and powered through this with me. So, Oh, no, it's been a blast. Um, thank you for having me on. Yes, of course, of course. Um, and uh, I guess you can go ahead and plug all your stuff. People can find you and all that. So, uh, Yeah, if you want to find me, Shotgun All One on Twitter and Instagram. We're on all the streaming services, I'm pretty sure. Um, so pretty easy to find. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow me personally, just Reading Geek on Twitter. I'm on Twitter far too much, so you can always find me hanging around. Yes, they're very good, very good. Um, and for our stuff... Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at MapBlade87. Follow me and the podcast on, or, no, I'm sorry, that's the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast on one word. And I've started coming up with the email address because I know a lot of people want to get off Twitter <laughs> or people that's never had Twitter and they listen to the show. Um, you can email the podcast at um, just, oh God, what is it? The Film Feast, <laughs> the Film Feast at gmail.com. I'm still not used to saying that. So yeah thefilmfeast at gmail.com um email us ideas comments anything uh it's cool i love to hear people so um thank you Lindsay, and thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you next time bye everybody